This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the my lighting up boy from my friends. The star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC Sid Rosenberg. Boy, this boy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. One of Hunter Biden's former business partners testified before the House Oversight Committee in a closed-door meeting. Devin Archer's appearance is part of the Republican-led investigation into the Biden family's business dealings. Sources have confirmed that Archer testified that Hunter Biden put his father, who was vice president at the time, on speakerphone multiple times during business meetings. This is is shaping up to be one of the greatest corruption scandals in the history of Washington, and that is saying a lot. Congressional Republicans in New York's swing districts are so far not joining a push by more conservative House members to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. You have to get access by the streets were closed. House Republican leadership actively floating the prospect of an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. But several New York Republicans representing districts Biden carried in 2020 are so far not sold on invoking the I word. But some are not ruling it out yet either. But with many conservative Republicans intent on making this an issue, swing district Republicans may be forced to take a stand for or against. It is being called the worst humanitarian crisis New York City's ever seen. Thousands of more asylum seekers arriving here, waiting for a place to sleep and a fresh start. Here is what we know right now. Another 4,000 migrants are expected to arrive in the city by the end of the week. The mayor says so far they've taken in 93,000 people since the spring of last year. That is the equivalent of filling the seats in Madison Square Garden almost five times. Mayor Adams maintains the federal government needs to act. We need help, and it's, it's not going to get any better. Uh, from, from this moment on, it's downhill. Uh, there is no more room. Mayor Adams unveiled a new safety plan today that will earmark hundreds of millions of dollars for preventing crime. The top priority is six high-crime precincts in Brooklyn and the Bronx. We're making a historical step that I believe is going to cascade throughout the entire country. The city is earmarking $485 million for an assortment of programs that include early intervention, skill training to provide pathways to good-paying jobs, housing, mental health, and programs to strengthen the bonds between police and communities. Every New Yorker deserves the security of going to bed at night themselves, knowing that they and their children, their loved ones, are safe. Justin Ellick is no Lou Rufino, I'll tell you that. I asked him to play the instrumental part of Layla, and he's playing the actual song, not the instrumental part made famous, of course, in the movie Goodfellas. But see if you can find that now and play the right one. That's not the instrumental 
version of Layla. I know you're not 30 years old yet, and Eric Clapton is a bit before your time, but come on, man. That's not the Layla instrumental part. That's the actual song, Layla. Anyway, good morning, 609 on your Tuesday. Justin's got a lot on his plate. I felt bad when I yelled at him. The guy's cutting up all the sound. He's doing the sports. He's running the board because Lou took a vacation, and he's doing a great job. He is. So I want to yell at the kid, but every now and then, Jesus, give me the instrumental. You know what I'm talking about, Norm, right, when I asked for the instrumental part from uh, from Layla? Yeah. Yeah, of course. When Henry Hill opens up the trunk of the car and there's helicopters above him and he's trying to get the cocaine sold. You know what I'm talking about. That's a great, and the music is used so perfectly right. in that moment. Of course. And there's a reason why I wanted to play it this morning, which has nothing to do with Mayor Eric Adams. God, I'm sick of him. Or uh, this witch, this governor who's a complete douchebag, Kathy Hochul, or uh, Donald Trump, or January 6th, or Devin Archer, or Hunter and Joe Biden. Has nothing to do with any of that, any of it. We're going to cover all that today with a myriad, which is a great word, a myriad of great guests. Oh, my God, I'm looking at Jumani Williams out of the corner of my left eye, this idiot public advocate yelling on New York 1. It has nothing to do with any of those uh, major stories. So if you found the actual musical interlude, Justin, that I was looking for at the top of the show, have you found that? The reason why I play this is, of course, it's a great song. It was made famous way before Goodfellas, but everybody kind of identifies this song with that movie, much like the Cream song when Robert De Niro is smoking a cigarette, the whole thing, you know. And the movie I'm in, the only movie I've ever done, I've done Gravesend, which, of course, is a cable TV drama, which is doing very, very well, still top three on Amazon Prime. People still buying it every day. I'm very proud of that. But the only movie I've ever done is a movie that was initially titled Gemini Lounge and has now since been changed to Inside Man. And Inside Man hits theaters all across America next Friday night, August the 11th. Now, the issue is is that the actors are still on strike. So, for example, Danny A., who made the movie, He's a great young director, writer, producer. He's been in a ton of big films, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, I think, and others. He is not allowed to promote the movie. Some of the big stars in the movie, Emile Hirsch, big-time guy, can't promote it. Lucy Hale, 26 million followers on Instagram. She can't promote it. But I'm in uh, kind of a weird situation in that radio is good to go. So I'm hosting the hottest radio show in New York City, 
and I can do it. But I still feel kind of weird. I don't know, for example, if some of these big-time actors who have been very nice to me and even have offered me jobs in certain cases will be mad at me because I'm promoting a movie which I'm in coming out next Friday. So I'm in kind of a tough spot. I can do it legally. This is radio. Radio is not governed by that same body. It is AFTRA, not SAG. But I don't know if I'm going to piss people like Armand DeSante and Chaz Palminteri and who knows, even Bob De Niro, if I'm going to piss these guys off. I don't know. So I'm going about my business, which is next Friday night, August the 11th, the only movie I've ever starred in, which I'm so proud of. I don't have a big role. Bo Deedle is great in this movie. He's got a very big role. Um, went out to Los Angeles two years ago, and uh, Bernard, God rest his soul, filled in for me all week, and I was able to shoot the movie, and it is the best mob movie in 20 years. Trust me. Now, Gravesend is a great mob show, but that's a cable TV show. This is the best mob movie in 20 years, I promise you. It is great, and it comes out next Friday. So I'm going to promote it until somebody tells me that I can't. Because even though I am acting a bit these days, that's not my main job. In fact, if I had to rely on just acting, I'd be living in the streets like a migrant. Thank God radio is my real job, and I don't have to live in the streets. But I know Brian Cranston, who was terrific in Breaking Bad, he was out there a couple of days ago. Because Fran Drescher, you may know Fran, the nanny, she was also in Gravesend with me and Willie DeMeo and Peter Gordio and Chris Momondo and Bo and all those folks, and was very good. She's the president of our union, of the, you know, the, the actors' union. And she, of course, was the first to speak when the strike started. But Brian Cranston, who's a good friend of Joan Hamburg, he spoke a couple of days ago, the star of Breaking Bad, and he said this about the strike standing outside of Paramount Pictures, Justin Brian Cranston, cut number 26. And I find it very, very um, ironic that we are all gathered here today in unity in front of an entity that is run by Disney. Uh, we've got a message for Mr. Iger. I know, sir, that you look through things through a different lens. We don't expect you to understand who we are, but we ask you to hear us and beyond that to listen to us when we tell you we will not be having our jobs taken away and giving to robots. We will not have you take away our right to work and earn a decent living. And lastly and most importantly, we will not allow you to take away our dignity. Well, that's Brian Cranston breaking bad, and he talks about losing our jobs to robots, and we talk about this in every sphere of work today, even politics. I heard Andrew Giuliani's interview weeks ago with Donald Trump, and he brought up AI, artificial intelligence, and in my specific field or their field, acting, these guys are scared to death. They're going to replace actors. Chaz said the same thing with AI. So that is a, a huge part of why these actors are striking. They want more money, yes. They want more benefits, yes. They want to get more money when um, these companies stream their work. 
but they are deathly afraid of AI and want to be protected, and that is really the major issue in this actor strike. That sounds it sounds crazy hearing people say stuff like. I mean, it's <laughs> no, like it's nuts. It sounds like utopia. You know, I mean, it's crazy stuff. It is. Uh, also, in the in the world of acting, Paul Rubens, known to most of you as Pee Wee Herman, he uh, he had quite a life. This guy. Arrested in 1991 for masturbating in a movie theater. Arrested again in 2002 for having pornography. I guess uh, it was a young kid in those porn movies. But I, I think he uh, he got that charge lifted. Either way, he was a complete degenerate. He was. Uh, but he was a good actor. Forgetting about Pee Wee Herman, he was in a movie, one of my favorite movies ever, starring Johnny Depp called Blow. And uh, Johnny Depp, of course, played a real-life guy, George Young, a very famous cocaine dealer out of Miami. And uh, his wife in the movie, who was that uh, hot Latino lady? Penelope, um, Penelope Cruz. Cruz yes. Yeah, Penelope Cruz, yes. And Paul Rubens played his best friend, Pee Wee Herman, and he was great. Great. But, of course, he'll always be known as Pee Wee Herman. And here is a quote from the now 70-year-old late Paul Rubens yesterday, cut number 27. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Oh, my God. Things you couldn't understand. Creepy. Things you shouldn't understand. Enough of that. There you go. Pee Wee Herman dead at the age of 70. <laughs> was that creepy enough for you know? Yeah, I mean, was, my uh, God. My goodness yeah. gracious. <laughs> Hello, Pee Wee. Yeah. I mean, anytime your name is Pee Wee Herman. You know? Right. That's an issue right there. Yeah, that's exactly. Good point. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, Devin Archer did speak on Capitol Hill that was the big news item on the show yesterday. And we said it. Republicans like Jim Comer and Nancy Mace are telling you, there it is. There it is. Devin Archer is telling you Joe Biden is a liar. He is aware of all of his son's business. He's been getting money, millions and millions of dollars, maybe upwards of $50 million. He's a liar. And the Democrats go, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? They say hello when they put Biden on the phone. Dan Goldman mentioned the weather. So it's exactly what we thought it would be, right, Noam? Republicans at the Devon Archer speak go, there it is. There's a smoking gun. And Democrats go, well, you got nothing? I mean, absolutely nothing, right? Well, they're trying, of course, the Republicans trying to connect the dots. They say they did with this uh, meeting with Archer. But, of course, Democrats, yeah, you know, the, the it was interesting to watch Dan Goldman, the, you know, the Brooklyn congressman, try to say that the reason the president was on the phone was just to have a, you know, a chat yes. with them. Say hello. In fact, here he is, the Brooklyn congressman who Noam just alluded to. This guy's also a real douchebag. And I want to say that right to his face. Wish he would come in so I could tell it right to his face. Dan Goldman on how Biden would get on these phone calls just to exchange pleasantries. What an idiot. Dan Goldman, cut number seven. And I want to be very clear about one thing. Uh, he did describe that there were a, a, approximately 20 occasions over the course of their uh, nearly decade-long business relationship where when one of them called the other, um, that Hunter Biden would uh, ask his father to say hello to whomever he was at dinner. He said there were sometimes when it was friends and sometimes when it was uh, potential business partners or business partners. But the witness was unequivocal and stated very clearly that they never discussed 
any business on that phone conversations. There were niceties, and there was a hello, and there we talked about the weather, weather. or whatever it was, but it was never any business. Now, on the flip side, my friend, Attorney John Turley on Fox News, yesterday the complete flip side of Dan Goldman says, now we know Biden is a liar. Justin, cut number one. Well, what we now know, quite frankly, is that the president has been lying. I mean, he lied during the presidential campaign. He lied as president when he had his staff repeat that he had no knowledge, uh, no interaction with these business dealings. That's clearly false. I mean, the, the, these are accounts of almost two dozen calls made with these associates, some of whom are the most corrupt figures in Europe. Uh, where the vice president would call in. That's the point of influence peddling. When Archer says that he was there to sell the brand, the brand is influence peddling, and Joe Biden is the object of that influence peddling. And so you need to show that you will have access, that he's just a phone call away. Let me just go on record and say that I believe John Turley. I don't believe the Bidens, and I can't stomach Dan Goldman, still waiting for that indictment January 6th for President Donald Trump. We know, of course, they added more charges last week. Jack Smith, I believe it's up to 40 now. And we'll speak to two amazing attorneys, Arthur Idala and Alan Dershowitz, on today's show. The guest list, one more time. Artie starts us off at 645. Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, Jacqueline Toboroff, Alan Dershowitz, Gordon Chang, Suzanne Miller, Jill Zarin, and Teddy Mellencamp all stopping by. It's going to be a huge Tuesday morning show with your favorite host in all of New York. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's go. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Downbound Train of the Great Born in the USA album. Still getting texts. Still. As of 11 o'clock last night on our interview with the great Stephen Van Zandt, Little Stevie, on the program yesterday. I said this before. I pride myself on radio interviews. I think Stern is the best, and then me, and then the, the fall off after me and Stern is dramatic. And I may sound like a dick and obnoxious and narcissistic. I don't care. It is what it is. Stern, Rosenberg, then a dramatic fall-off. And the interview I did yesterday with Van Zant was one of my best. And he was great. Not good, great. I don't care that three people on Facebook hate him because he hates Trump and write things like, I miss Bernie. I mean, God, grow up. He was great. It was a great interview. And Springsteen, I'll be going to see with my family and friends coming up. August at 29, talking about family and friends, yesterday after the show, we did set out Eric Salas, who does um, that podcast with you, Justin, you and Eric Salas. What is, he, what is that abortion call that you guys do? <laughs> guys behind the glass. Yeah. But you don't really understand the premise of it, but this isn't a plug for my podcast. But... What, what's the premise of it? Well, it's not all sports. So you think it's just exclusively sports. No, I, I have no idea, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know what it is. Right. Oftentimes you play the promo and you're not even talking about sports. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. You yeah. guys are, I don't know, what are you talking we about? We like to dip into other abstract um Right, but you have no right talking about other things because neither one of you are all that smart. Well, I never said we had a right, but they gave, no. they gave us the right when they gave I know. us the and, and, and for what it's worth, to your credit, all kidding aside, you, it is a popular podcast. Here. We do pretty well in yeah, terms you do. of So uh, congratulations. Yes. Thank so, you very much. Eric and uh, Mike Dino, who runs our sports department, we uh, hop in the van together. Two other kids. I forget their names. doesn't matter. And we went to Giants camp. Thank you to uh, Pat Hanlon, who has been the PR guru of the Giants, a leader for 30-plus years, and Maddie and Johnny and Danielle, my beautiful wife, and my son Gabriel and my daughter Ava met us there. And the Giants were kind enough to give me three players, Paris Campbell, who's fighting for the starting job at wide receiver, Adoree Jackson, who's a starting cornerback for the Giants, and their newly acquired, very talented tight end slash wide receiver, Darren Waller. And uh, the three of them sat with me, did interviews. It was great. Right outside a room where Sal Paliantono, my good buddy from ESPN, was interviewing Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. And there's pictures all over Instagram and Facebook of my daughter, Ava, Ava's taking pictures with all these giant players. And um, I had to yell at Ava to wear a, a T-shirt and not like a low-crop shirt. She didn't listen, of course. And she's getting compliments all over my social media that she looks exactly like my beautiful wife, Danielle. And as a child, Ava really looked more like me. But as she's gotten older, thank God, she looks more and more like her mother. Gabe is his mother's spinning image. But Ava looks like her mother, and she is gorgeous, my 19-year-old daughter. So thank you for all the kind comments on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and, of course, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. Also want to send a shout-out to our good friend Pete Morgan, Mr. Peerless Boilers. He was there yesterday. He sat in on all the interviews, and after practice was over, Danielle, Sid, Ava Game, and Pete made our way to the Colonial Diner in beautiful Lindhurst, New Jersey, for a nice lunch. Jim, who I guess owns a diner, is a huge sitting friends in the morning fan. We took a nice picture on the way out. So it was a great day. Great day, and the Giants are getting excited. You know, they don't, they don't start their preseason games until next Friday the 11th, the same night that my movie Inside Man opens in theaters. 
the Giants open their preseason schedule against the upstart Detroit Lions. The Jets, of course, they start their preseason schedule this week. The only game this week featuring the Jets and the Browns Thursday night in Canton, Ohio. The Hall of Fame game, but if you're a Jet fan waiting to see Aaron Rodgers, you won't see him on Thursday. That'll be Zach Wilson, a lot of Zach Wilson, and no Aaron Rodgers. But Giants look good, and it was fun being at camp yesterday. And again, thank you to Pat Hanlon and all the guys from the team. All right, a lot of great guests stopping by. We start with famed defense attorney. He's a tremendous radio guest. Arthur Idala coming up next. Also, Joe Nolan, a first look at traffic. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Download the 77 WABC app. Stop listening to the iHeart app. Don't do it. Download the 77 WABC app. Today's mini-cast is from my dear friend John Katz-Matidis, Katz and Cosby, speaking with the man, Bill O'Reilly, about Joe Biden. Okay, so Hunter Biden said, I paid my, I've been paying my father 50% of my salary for 10 years, whatever he said. But we don't know whether that's an exaggeration or not. We don't know. Now, what has to happen is Joe Biden has to answer questions under oath from the committee. That's the next thing that's going to happen in September. So the committee is going to subpoena him. Now, he doesn't have to go over to the Hill, but certainly he'd have to ask, answer questions inside the White House. And he'll block it. He'll try to block it with executive privilege, and all hell's going to break loose. That's the next step. There you have it, Bill O'Reilly and John Katzmatidis, Katz and Cosby. 6.34, Tuesday morning, going to be a nice day today. Our first look at traffic on this, yes, folks, believe it or not, the first day of August. Unreal. Is that unreal. unbelievable, Joe? It's flying by this summer. I know. Where did it go? I mean, this summer just has disappeared. Yeah. So yeah. fast. Yep. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by P. Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best footballers. Just the Yanks in action last night, albeit their performance not being very action-packed, if you will. Falling to the division rival Tampa Bay Rays 5-1 to in the opener of a three-game set at the stadium. Jamin Rahman was originally meant to start this game, but was scratched due to discomfort in his armpit. You heard that right. Evidently, he was feeling much better later on in the contest as he'd entered the game in relief of his spot starter Johnny Burrito. As far as runs go, it was just a one for a New York, thanks to a Jake Bauer solo shot off of Tyler Glass. Now in the second inning, other than that, it was all raised all night long. And the Yanks now, once again, have hit double digits in their divisional deficit, which now sits at 10 games back. They'll try again tonight in the middle game with Tampa, set for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch with Carlos Radon taking the hill against Tampa's Zach Eflin. The Yanks have yet to make any moves ahead of tonight's trade deadline, so we'll be monitoring that situation. Trade deadline's tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, that is. Uh, speaking of making moves ahead of tonight's deadline, the Mets have been the opposite of quiet, making another move yesterday that sent out Builder Mark Cannon to the Milwaukee Brewers for minor league pitcher Justin Jarvis. Still no movement from the Mets regarding the big fish in ace Justin Verlander, uh, as rumors have continued to swirl around the 40-year-old right-hander. We'll keep, uh, be keeping a close eye 
I should say, on that today as well. And from New Zealand earlier this morning, the United States just skating by as runners-up in Group E and advancing to the Women's World Cup round of 16 after being held to a 0-0 draw in Portugal. U.S. fans were sweating earlier this morning. They'll play next coming up on Sunday against an opponent to be decided. And that's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best boat boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. The latest news, behind-the-scenes videos. Get it all now. Like 77 WABC on Facebook. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. How many of us For my next guest, famed defense attorney, Arthur Idala. He'll be joining me in the next few minutes. You know, I did send, I showed this to Curtis, a lot of guests today, great guests. I uh, sent a text to Mayor Eric Adams. I showed it to Justin and to Curtis at exactly 3.45 a.m. this morning. I break every rule in the text etiquette. I don't care. If I'm up, you're up. Don't care. People go, no, 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 no. I remember the time Justin Ellick tested Michael Goodwin. No, I called him, and that's yeah. why. <laughs> now he's my best friend. He's on the show every week. He's great. But he got yelled at by everybody. Even Cat yelled at him. It's like, listen, listen. We play by a different set of rules on this show. Yeah. If I'm up, you're up. Of course. It's and, like 10 a.m. right now to me. Right. And the mayor is usually up at 345 anyway at some nightclub somewhere. So I text him, and I go, listen, brother, done with this. I have now texted Fabian Levy at City Hall Three consecutive times without an answer. I don't want to hear he's busy. I know he's busy. I know it. Trust me. You're never too busy to send a two-second text. Hey, Sid, got your last three texts. Really busy. Uh, the mayor is talking about crime. The mayor is talking about whatever he's talking about. We'll get back to you. But to completely ignore my texts, I don't care who you are. If you're Trump, if you're Adams, if you're Chad Lopez, I don't care. I don't do that. You text me. I'm actually too quick on the trigger. Yeah. I get back in like two seconds. Oh, you're on top of it. Yeah. It's almost, so like, told, it's almost uh, like you got nothing better to do. I told Adams basically, you know, screw it. I'm done with you. I don't care. 
I mean, I heard all of his quotes yesterday, this brand-new $500 million plan to prevent crime. I don't know. Let's hope it works. I know a lot of it is centered in Brooklyn and the Bronx. And what they tell you is, well, you know, a lot of low-income people live there, and a lot of the crime is committed there, and a lot of this and that. What they don't tell you is a lot of black people live there. I'm the only guy with balls in this town to say it. Adams won't say it. God, no. He go, he, 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 every step of the way, he looks to protect African-American people. But the truth is, is that's where the crime is. Not just low income and low housing and, 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 and lousy education. All that is true. And while it's not exclusive to the black community, it is prevalent to the black community. But they won't say it. So guess who's here to say it? Me. Here's Eric Adams on his new $500 million plan to prevent crime. Cut number 16. A lot of work, a lot of effort went into this, this document. You know, uh, my life work went into this. I know the importance of this. Yeah, in my community, it's all white people, cops, first responders, firemen, no crime. Here's one more, Eric Adams on the $485 million plan to prevent crime, cut number 17. Ending gun violence requires more than enforcement, more than policing, far much more. It requires attention and investment. Right, and he goes on to tell you what a historical step this is. Eric Adams, cut number 18. We're making a historical step that I believe is going to cascade throughout the entire country. We haven't even gotten to the migrant situation yet, which is a complete disaster. In fact, and this is why I'm glad Arthur is coming on now, I think I saw this morning the Legal Aid Society, where my beautiful wife, Danielle, started her law career. The Legal Aid Society is looking to sue the city because there's not enough housing for the migrants. (laughs) I mean, those folks make Ron Kuby look like President Trump. Anyway, here he is, famed defense attorney, but more importantly, my dear friend, the great author, Idala. Artie, good morning, buddy. How are you? That's good. Ron Kuby looking like President Trump. Ron <laughs> Kuby's listening right now. He's freaking out. Man. He's going he's gonna to sue you of course. for putting his name and Trump's name in the same sentence. But, you know, yesterday um, I was with a lot, of, a lot of your friends, including John and Margot, at the PAL lunch, which I attend you know, almost every time uh, John does this great job with the PAL lunch. Yes, he does. Um, and um, Police Commissioner Bratton was the keynote speaker. And uh, he, did, uh, he really did an excellent job. I mean, he got a standing ovation. Actually, Mr. Katsimatidis took the stage a second time and made a stand up and gave him a second standing ovation because – you know, he, just his analysis on crime in general and, like, what he and Mayor Giuliani did back in the day then when the city was known as being unmanageable, right? The city was so bad in 1994 when they came in that, you know, you couldn't solve crime. And he talked about, you know, what they did. Um, I will tell you, he, he was on both sides of the aisle because he did. He ripped on, the, on the, the New York State Senate and the bail laws and the New York City Council and the judges and the DAs, the person he did not rag on was Eric Adams. And then it happens, I know, it happens all the time these days. And, you know, people kind of like Eric. I, Michael, somebody good when somebody yesterday said, look, we think his heart's in the right place. I do, too. But it's not about the heart. He caves every time Adams caves to the left. So his heart is in the right place. He may not be the initial problem, 
but he's not out there yelling and screaming and kicking and fighting the way some of us want to see him. So I understand Bratton defends him. You like him. Katsimatidis well, no, likes no, 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 him. No, no, I like him. You, let me tell you how he ragged on him a little bit. Let me yeah. tell you how, how he ragged yeah. on him because it talks about what you just said a minute ago. So Bratton gets into this uh, this $485 million uh, uh, thing that they announced yesterday you know, to help prevent crime. And he just said how where government falls short. He goes, look where I am right now. This is what Bratton says. I'm at the Police Athletic League. They're going to spend all of this money, and you realize no one has reached that to prevent crime. They're not trying to solve. The whole thing is it's not about solving crimes. It's about starting them before they happen. And what your point was right on about the African-American communities, you can't. You got to pull your head out of the sand. But what, what, what uh, Bratton's point was, how do you not reach out to a 100-year organization that's been helping kids stay out of trouble forever in the PAL? It, it, he was basically talking about government waste. Like, oh, are we just going to take this money and throw it away? you got to get a, an institution like the Police Athletic League, and I think there's six precincts involved, and of the six, I think it's four in – I think it's – Brooklyn and LeBron's Bronx. mostly. Yeah, yeah it's a Brooklyn. lot of the Bronx. I think yeah. there's one in Queens. Yeah. And he said, you know, the PAL has institute, has has centers in three of the six or something like that, and they haven't even reached out to us. So government has to do a better job. But, you know, he is right. Um, you know, and you're right. You're 100% correct. I had to go speak at a um, a pastor's meeting, right? And they were by, I'm not exaggerating, three or 400 uh, pastors from the five boroughs. And it was an 85% black room. And I said, I go, you know, when I go to 120 Skimmerhorn Street, which is the criminal courthouse in Brooklyn or the one in Manhattan, uh, I said, there's just there's too many black kids in there as as defendants. I said, and you know what? I don't have the answers, but I can give you one of the answers. If you want to empty the courtroom, fill up the churches. Kids who go to church on Sunday are typically not the kids carrying guns, are typically not the kids carrying stealing cars, are typically not the kids robbing the grocery store. And, and, and immediately I got a standing ovation. But it's that lack. You want to talk about it? You want to go down? You want to talk real at 6.50 in the morning? What is the difference between the African-American community in New York and the Asian community in New York? It's one word. Family. Yeah, it's fathers. It's, it, it's fathers. Word, it's stop family. right there. Not just family because the moms are home in the black community. And, in fact, some of these moms are doing too much, working two or three jobs. They're not there during the day when their kids are causing trouble. It's fathers. You're not going to go to church unless mom and dad take you. you. Know the mom you know will take you. It's fathers. It's not just it's not just fathers, okay? I go into the courtroom. There are 16-year-old mothers, 15-year-old oh, mothers. Oh, yeah, that's another issue. 17-year-old yeah, mothers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they, they can't even – they haven't even graduated high school. They have no money. They have no parenting skills. They have no guidance. It's not – of course it's fathers, but, you know, it's mothers too. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it's – it's, uh, now, how do you solve that problem? I'm not sure. I was hanging out with well, some I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how you don't solve the problem. You don't solve the problem by blaming white people, which happens all the time, and by getting angry and telling everybody that, hey, we don't have a chance. And when Jordan Neely attacks people on a subway and is taken out by a white Marine calling, you know, uh, Daniel Penny a racist, all these government officials, including the mayor, including the mayor, he goes to race at every opportunity. Every chance he has, he goes goes to race and you're not going to solve this problem by a putting your head in the sand and never talking about your own community charles barkley
Barkley said it best years ago. We can blame everybody we want, but until we look in the mirror and figure out what the hell is going on, you can't continue to blame everybody else for your own issues, and that's exactly what's going on inside that community. Well, and, and look, Morgan Freeman would agree with you. Uh, Bill Cosby actually got the great Bill Cosby would agree with you. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who actually, who actually black guys who totally agree with you. But it's the easy out to find the scapegoat. And, you know, I mean, look, there are people who be listening to us right now, Sid, and they would be saying you and I are the biggest ignorant, Neanderthal, sure. racist sure, good. on the right. planet. Right. But, you know, I just – you and I are old now, right? We've, we've been around five decades we've been on this planet. And sadly, not that much has changed nope. when it comes to that community. And that's – and I was hanging out when I, I went to go visit our friend Dershowitz on Martha's Vineyard, and I was hanging out with these super woke folks, super left-wing folks, and I was – shocked and yet pleasantly surprised that they were sober enough to say their biggest disappointment you ready for this with who barack obama yeah the fact that he did not step up when he had a unique opportunity especially in his second term when he was a lame duck to go back to chicago and be like hey you know what i am going to go push for my community and figure this thing out I don't care what he's got to go do. Hand out condoms on the corner and say, guys, yeah. you got to use these things right. because that's how you're going to like things are going to get better. They was they really said he was selfish, self-centered, and what he's done since he's left the presidency, which is basically zero except take care of himself, uh, is has was so disappointing to them. It was actually refreshing to talk to people who I don't really agree too much with, but to hear them say that someone who could have made a difference really just didn't, took, took, took the presidency and ran. And then when I mentioned to them, you know, the New York Times ranks him as like the eighth greatest president oh, of all What a time. joke. What they a joke. Like, For what? Yeah. They go, what did he do? Hey, listen, hey, I voted against him twice, but I'm going to tell you, the first time he won, I was crying. I was watching him, his wife, Michelle, oh, his two beautiful stop? daughters. Oh, you piece it down? You crying? Yeah. Give me a break. I, so you could ask my wife. I, I actually, I actually shed a tear because I was so moved by here he is, first African American president, eloquent, smart, and I shed a tear. I gave him a chance, and it turned out you had Ferguson, Missouri. You had Freddie Gray in Baltimore. People forget this. BLM started under Barack Obama. He was the worst president of all time when it came to race relations. It wasn't Donald Trump. It was Barack Obama. So you'd be surprised, I know. But ask Danielle, I shed a tear when they made that walk to the White House that first day, and he turned out to be a colossal disappointment. The economy moved at a sluggish pace. He he saved the car industry because he borrowed $10 billion. He was right. a well, waste. Those a waste. were some scary times. By the way, you call him a black president. Michelle Obama refers to him as the first biracial president. Oh, please be you quiet. Know, yeah, Michelle Obama. Well, you know, yeah. you know. Shut up. I'm biracial. sick of her, is he too. black or is he biracial? I don't care Jesse, what he is. He sucks. Jesse Jackson would have been the first black Listen, president. Listen, all I know is whatever, whatever he was, he sucked. But I want to get to uh, <laughs> President Trump because we're still waiting on this January 6th indictment author. I dollar now last week. Jack Smith piled up some more charges, up to 40 charges. Now I keep hearing any second now, any second now for about 10 days, but I do believe it'll be any second now, and maybe Georgia right behind it. What do you think Donald Trump is thinking about this morning? Um, I think, you know, and I I doubt he reads the New York Times, but someone around him (laughs) must. 
But the New York Times today basically, I mean, it's a headline, has a poll that says even though people think he, he committed serious criminal acts, they still think he should be president of the United States. He's in a dead heat tie with Biden in the New York Times poll. So this is not, you know, this is not a poll that leans in his direction. This is a poll that leans out of his direction. So even Republican leaders and, and, and you know, community Republican leaders say, yeah, he may have committed some real crimes, but you know what? He did some great things as president, and I'd like to have him back as president of the United States, which the only reason why I'm going to say it's a little sad is we live in a country of 300 million people. We can't get better than two 80-year-old guys who are going to go at it to be president of the United States. It's a little crazy, but that's where we're at. And, you know, you said in the beginning of the show with confidence, you know, that you and Stern are the greatest guys in, on all time. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. But I know a little bit about my craft as well. And, like, if, a, if any client comes into my office who has already been indicted, and even in state court, or forget about federal court, Sid, it's just very hard for that to just disappear. It's just very hard yeah, for yeah, a, a yeah. federal indictment just to go, poof, oh, yeah, sorry, you guys were wrong. We pr- I well, mean, no, 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 Audie, no, no one's saying it's going to disappear. And, again, this is your expertise. Uh, there are two things that matter. A, if he has to go to jail, or B, if it takes him out of the race. If neither one of those things happen, no one cares. Okay, but here's, here's a little bit why we should care, because this is a realistic scenario. Are you ready for this? And this isn't just Arthur thinking. I spoke about this with a whole bunch of people who have been doing this even longer than I have. He's supposed to go to trial in the Florida case where they added out these new aspects to it, and it seems like someone may be cooperating at this point. So now he goes to trial. I think it's May 24th, so it's after the primary. So let's say Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president of the United States. And, yes, he's going to be in Florida, so it's a very friendly venue for him. But federal court is federal court. The rules of evidence are very simple. If it's good for the prosecutor, the jury hears it. If it's good for the defense attorney, the jury never hears it. So let's just say, God forbid, he gets convicted as the nominee for the presidency. He gets convicted. The judge puts the sentence over until after the general election, which is not atypical. Typically, when you plead guilty or you get convicted, it gets uh, there's a four-month adjournment minimum because the Department of Probation has to prepare this big report. So let's just say he then gets elected to president of the United States and now has to go before a federal judge for sentencing. And let's just say the judge says, well, I'm sentencing you to X, to 20 days in jail, starting after your presidency. I mean, what does it say for the United States of America that we're going to have the sitting president of the United States who's got 20 days in jail coming to him after he gets elected? What, you know, what, it, says is, what, what it says is we're going to have four great years, and for about three weeks, whether it's Tim Scott or Carrie Lake or Nancy Mace, they're going to have to coach just like NFL coaches, all-time greats who get sick and, and miss a couple of games. It ain't no big deal. That's what it says. We'll have four more great years. We'll have a guy that did a tremendous job the first time around back where he belongs. I don't care that the assistant coach has to coach for three weeks over a well, four-year I mean, period. And, and most, and listen, according to the New York Times, people agree with you. Of course. No, that's, that's, of course. That's what this poll is saying. And, you know, I mean, I, I just scratch my head because unlike when you and I were kids and it was Carter versus Reagan and Reagan versus Mondale and all that, 
it's gotten so nuts, the political, because there was no CNN when we were kids. There was a, we watched, the, you, you got the news in the morning when you got the newspaper, and it's 7 o'clock or 6.30 on the radio, on the, on the TV, and then it was over. Except you want to hear the traffic, you put on 10-10 wins. Now it's politics, politics, politics. This one's a scumbag. This one's a piece of garbage. It's like, oh, God. I, sometimes I just love to put on the fan here. About no, the I know. The New York Yankees. Uh, I hear you. No, listen, I hear you. And, and that's why, as good as my show is, and it's a great show, truth be told, in the demos that sell, I don't be Boomer because most New Yorkers and most Americans don't want to get hit over the head. So I try to, look, I do sports on this show. I do entertainment. I play music to kind of lessen the heavy, because the truth is most Americans don't want to hear this. They don't. It's it's proven it's, in the race. You see what you said about you got you got ragged on because Steve Van Zant doesn't like Trump. Right. I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, oh, that, is, that was one of the he's best. A legend. Yeah, of course he's I know, a legend. The guy is a legend. Of he's an absolute straight up, a hundred percent, no doubt about it. Absolute legend in the world of music, and you know he had his little thing at the Sopranos, which he was fantastic at as well. So, but and the fact that the people's takeaway from that is, oh, but he doesn't like Donald Trump. Yeah, we're all sick in the head. If that's I know, now, not just Donald Trump. Of. By the way, he did call all Republicans, which does include me, cockroaches. I couldn't care less. I could not care less. I mean, that's what that's what makes the world go. Yeah. By the way, you're going on the 29th, I think, because that's like right before Labor Day weekend. I think I'm going to take a quick road trip to Boston with my son, Luca, who I promised could see Bruce. It'll be my fifth or sixth time seeing him to Foxborough. Nice. Yeah, I think he's playing there Thursday the 24th. And then I'm going to take him to see uh, the Red Sox versus the Dodgers wow. at Fenway, where he's huh. never been to see a game. So that's a nice back-to-back for uh, my 17-year-old. That is an awesome trip, absolutely. Bruce, Red Sox, Dodgers, that's awesome. But not as awesome as your appearance this morning. As always, Arthur Idala, you're the best. Thank you so much. I love you. Let's do it again very, very soon. Listen, I hope Stern's not looking in the rearview mirror, man. You're making him nervous. <laughs> He's not even working. He takes the whole summer off, hangs out in the Hamptons. I'm actually working every day. I see him. Sid, I see him. I know we got to go. I see him almost every weekend walking with Beth. Is that right? Almost every weekend. He walks right in a little community where I That's am. Funny. I just wave to him. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Beth. Look at like, you. Idala living in the same community as Stone. Anyway, Artie, this one goes out to you. Rolling Stones. Angie. All right, buddy. Thank you, buddy. You got I'll it. We you get through. set for hour number two with Curtis Lee. We'll keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning. On a Tuesday. Sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Yeah. This city is not going to look like other cities with their tents up and down every street. We need help, and it's it's not going to get any better. Uh, from from this moment on, on is downhill. Uh, there is no more room. Well, I guess the mayor just figured out there's no more room for the migrants. This, of course, from Rocky Four. 
Coming to America, Apollo Creed coming down from the skies and has that exhibition, that fight against Drago, and dies. Dies in the scene. Uh, Danielle does her morning run there on the boardwalk. Irish Riviera, Bell Harbor, Rockaway, beautiful, beautiful area. No crime. And she said, by the way, this morning on the boardwalk, I saw two tents. Are you listening, Joanne Ariola? Are you listening, Joanne? Everybody loves you. I kind of like you. I don't love you. Two tents on the boardwalk and three heaping piles of duty. Not dog duty, not police horse duty, human feces. I live in a much too nice neighborhood to have migrant tents and human feces. Are you listening, Joanne Ariola and Mayor Eric Adams? I know you're listening. The guy sitting next to me, big ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon. Big ratings all weekend long doing the overnight show and his best work right here with me, 7, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. The icon, the legend, the great Curtis Sliwa. You don't seem surprised, Curtis. Why should I seem surprised? You have the problem on Beach 116th Street. Forever. You haven't dealt with it. So naturally, it expands like all other problems. If you don't nip it in the bud at Beach 116th Street, then it's going to spread. So get ready. In fact, listen to what the mayor has said. He says, I warn all you New York City residents that this migrant crisis is coming to a neighborhood near you. And I say to the mayor, over our collective dead bodies, you are not bringing your illegal alien friends that you brought here, you encouraged to come here, you were their papachula, you said, who's your daddy? Come on. Abbott, you're a racist. We'll take everything you got. Well, guess what? Now, what did he just do? No Mars, no Mars. We can't take it anymore. How come you're not saying we're going to give up being a sanctuary city? Why not just say we can't be a sanctuary city? And why not just say while you're blaming the federal government, and this continues to frustrate me, and it did my late great partner Bernard McGurk as well as we come live to you this morning from the Bernard McGurk studios. Why can't he just say instead of where's the federal government, hey, Biden, I know he refers to himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. I've told him in his face, don't do that. He's the worst president ever. You want to be the worst mayor ever? Keep calling yourself the Biden of Brooklyn. He is yet to call out Joe Biden by name with all of his criticism of the quote-unquote federal government. Go out there, Eric Adams, and get pissed. God, you just reminded me, the mother of my two youngest sons, why did she give him the name Carter and Hunter? <laughs> my youngest son. All these, they keep talking about me on TV. That's they funny. say I use drugs. <laughs> Dad, why do they keep saying I use drugs? I said, why would you name our sons Carter after what was the worst president of the United States, Jimmy Carter? Right. And Hunter. That's funny. A Jimmy Carter and a Hunter Biden, your and, sons. And the kids, the kid goes to school and they say, oh, you know, uh, Trump was talking about you. Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? Do you have any kids named Eric? No, Adam? No, no, no. well, let's face it, there's two Eric's maybe in a lot of trouble. Your friend Eric Ulrich from the Rockaways. Is he back in the news? Yes, he is. Uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, had to address the story 
that he did a walk and talk with Eric Ulrich, his former commissioner of buildings, before he had to resign El Rapido because he's the target of a gambling investigation, his relationship with the Bonanno crime family. He owes him a big $600,000. How do you know that's the number? I've never heard that before. Well, you got to know the Bananos. <laughs> okay. You see, the, the Bananos will talk to me. Because they don't necessarily get along with the Gambinos who want to kill them. They want to kill you, sure. As you know, yeah. they're divided. Sure. On Howard Beach. How does the New uh, Howard Beach, you yeah. have all the Gambinos. Right. Old Howard Beach, you have the Bambinos, as I call them. How does, the, uh, how does the Genovese family feel about you? Genovese, they used to own those drugstores, and then they went out of business. No, that's not so. the same Genovese, you oh, tarred. the chin. The chin. <laughs> yeah. What about the Lucchese family? Lucchese, well, remember, they were Canarsie boys. Yeah. Gemini Lounge, let's face it. It was Gambino's, and it was uh, Lucchese's. And now Bo Dito's going to give me a hard time. It's not Canarsie. <laughs> no, Bo loves you right now. Yes, Bo yeah, is your right. number oh. one fan. In fact, he's coming on right after you in about 25 minutes, and I guarantee you he says... My man Curtis nailed it again today. You know I what? I guarantee he Got to talk to Bo about the, scoot, the scooter menace in New York City. He'll, I'll, I'll let him tell you his story. But when I was outside of the Roosevelt Hotel last night, it's tribal. On one side, I don't know where the hell all these Africans came from. And they call them OAs, original Africans, because they know where the continent of Africa is because they were birthed there. Are they dressed like in the – like there was one scene in Coming to America when uh, – I hate to use a comedy, but where Eddie Murphy and uh, – who's the other guy? You got the Or Arsenio Hall are dressed in their fictional – African city garb. Are no. they dressed like that? No. Uh, no, no. A, a little bit. A little, little bit. bit, okay. Well, this is what I do. Well, how I'm many the... people would you, would you estimate are outside that hotel Hundreds. Now? Hundreds. Okay, and yeah. what I do is I look at the shoes. Always look at the shoes. And you'll know if they're poor and impoverished. I saw Nike sneakers, and I'm saying to myself, how the hell are these guys afford Nike sneakers? I saw some fashionable attire. They all have iPhones. They all have cell phones. These are not, give us your poor, your tired, your wretched, those that nobody else wants. These these guys are here basically to end up taking whatever money they can while working. They're not asylum seekers, yet you talk to each and every one, so they're tribal. You have Africans on one side. You have the Venezuelans on the other side. None of them speak English, but they do know two words. Asylum seeker. <laughs> Ask him anything. Asylum seeker. Yeah. What country are you from? Asylum seeker. But on one side, they're Africans, so they're from Chad, they're from Senegal, they're from the Sudan, they speak French. Uh, and they look at us as if we're illegal aliens, as if this is their country. <laughs> yeah. They're bowing five times to Me Mecca and Medina, you know, but they won't mix with the Venezuelans. The Venezuelans are on the other side. And so I go, you go Chavez. And they go, yeah, see, see, Chavez. <laughs> I say, you like Hugo Chavez? Get the hell out of my country. Go back to Venezuela. And I say, what a perfect opportunity since they're all on one side of the Roosevelt Hotel. How come Cashman isn't here? How come the Mets aren't here right. giving them tryouts? We need pitching. My God, the Venezuelans, <laughs> if there's one thing they can do, it's uh, play boy. baseball. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of joke, oh, but, but not they're, really. They're smoking weed. They're, they're drinking uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said they got all these mopeds. They're like little hell's angels forever. And they're organized. You can see already. Yeah. They're working the system. So we've been over this uh, a couple times before, uh, the migrant crisis with Adams, what you would do about it. But um, yesterday, your friend, the mayor, and now I'm dubbing him your friend, because as of 3.45 a.m. this morning, I once again laid down the gauntlet with Mayor Adams, sending him a text. Uh, this uh, new crime bill 
which is going to cost about $500 million. But he talks about low-income housing and, and education. He refuses to say black because I'm the only guy with balls in this town. I don't care who gets mad at me, who wants to sue me, who calls me a racist. All those fancy terms, low-income, low-housing, blacks, okay, that's the issue. But Adams won't say that, okay? So when are we going to get to the point where Adams is going to have a real plan on how to combat crime in this city? Sid, let me ask you a question. Uh, Knowing you, you're like a peacock. How many times did you look at yourself in the mirror this morning? I don't know, 20 uh, I see a black, I look great. I see a black man in front of me. <laughs> you are so dark now that if I brought you down to the Roosevelt Hotel, yeah. everybody from Chad, Senegal, right, and the Sudan would say, yo, O.A., original well, African. It's funny because I interviewed a couple of the Giant players at Giants camp yesterday, and one of them who is a legitimate superstar, this tight end wide receiver, Darren Waller, I'm darker than him. Not as dark as Paris Campbell. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. But so, a serious note, you even you said this morning. Sephardic. You I are Sephardic. Am, well, I'm not really a Mashkenaz, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. turned myself into a Sephardic. Yeah. But you even said this morning, most people wouldn't say what I said. But is it not the 100% truth? You're yes, absolutely no. telling the truth. And by the way, this is another way to take money from the police department. Remember, it happened under de Blasio and his uh, fluffy little yarn ball police commissioner, right, who was his lapdog, uh, Shea. They took a billion dollars out of the police budget. They never put it back. And they claimed it was for juvenile delinquent activities, a.k.a. take the inner city youth and give them something to do. How did that work out? Now here's Eric Adams saying, I'm going to take a half a billion dollars, and I'm going to spend it on everything other than hiring more police that we desperately need. This is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. So you were the mayor. And when you become the mayor, because you're going to run again, and my prediction is you're going to win. Oh, you're my campaign manager. Damn right. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure you win. Uh, Sorry, but when you win, you would do that right away. You would allocate more money to the police. This is what I do. I go to Columbia University, and I go to uh, NYU that sit on endowments of about $20 billion. And I say, you know, I hate you guys because I never went to college to begin with. I'm one of those guys that you despise. I'm a high school dropout. Guess what? I'm imposing a special tax on you, Columbia, and NYU, who buy up all the property in the neighborhood, Morningside House in the village. You're like a Pac-Man and Pac-Woman. <laughs> you buy all the property. You take it off the tax rolls because you're a nonprofit. You say it's for educational purposes. It's for everything other than that. It's for dorms to be set up with atriums where they're doing homegrown hydroponics and hitting the pond. And I'm hitting you with a special tax. All of the money is going to go specifically. Specifically, to recruit, train, vet, and graduate police officers. And then I'm going to tell them at their graduation, which you didn't hear, come on, or Eric Adams tell them at this recent one of 500, go out, be cops, I'm taking the handcuffs or handcuffs off you. And by the way, if you have to start swinging and winging, I got your back. So you would say to Caban, for example, who on this show when I said, Let's bring back broken windows. Let's bring back, most importantly, stop and frisk. And he said, let me tell you something, Sid. When I was a kid in the Bronx, I was singled out because I was Latino, and I would never want to do it to somebody else. And I like a band. I like them a lot. But that was a bunch of malarkey oh, I to quote Joe Biden. you got to bring back stop and frisk. You got to. You got to start bashing these bastards' heads in. You, uh, you had an interview with Caban. Uh, John Katsimatidis had an interview with Caban. He basically was afraid to say anything. The guy was afraid to say anything, which says to me, as much as I like Eddie Caban, 
He's not running the police department. Again, it's a combination of Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, and Phil Banks, an unindicted co-conspirator, a guy who became a, a, a cooperating informer, wired up like a Christmas tree to avoid jail. And this is what we got to run the NYPD. Eddie Caban, turns out, is just going to be a puppet like Keyshawn Sewell, not able to do anything or say anything. All he did with you was repeat the same thing over. He's so afraid to say anything because they got him in a little box 60 seconds to go i've mentioned a couple of times this morning uh that uh, when you're mayor because i really do believe when you run again you will win this time i think new york has figured out that a guy like you is the right guy for the job but uh yesterday when i had and i love this guy i do love him michael goodwin on from the new york post he completely dismissed you as a legitimate candidate never even mentioned you on the eric adams path to victory and i know that pissed you off let's play this quickly this is a Michael Goodwin, Justin. This would be cut number 25 on yesterday's show, basically saying we had to vote in Eric. We had no choice. Politics is, is a real test for a lot of us in the media business who you know, are, are lucky to have our opinions uh, expressed. Uh, Eric Adams is a complicated character, but in fairness to him, all politicians are. I mean, all, particularly those in the executive branches, the mayors, the governors, the presidents. I mean, it's a, it's very difficult. I mean, uh, Rudy Giuliani, whom I thought was perhaps the most important mayor the city had in the 20th century, was incredibly difficult in many ways, even as mayor. I mean, I, I, w- I was then, the for most of those years, the editorial page editor of the Daily News. And while we supported, all, you know, most of Giuliani's big, big initiatives, we also sued him twice. Uh, so, you know, for for keeping the media out, for taking away press passes. I mean, all, you know, just for hiding information that he didn't think was going to help him. So I think that complicated relationship is fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I've criticized Mayor Adams, but yet I don't re- regret voting for him or endorsing him in the election because still, who would you rather have, one of those other Democrats I mean, that was the only realistic option. That was the only realistic option. One of those other Democrats, Michael Goodwin, basically saying, Curtis who? Schmuck, putz. There was a general election. I was the Republican. The New York Post didn't even give me the courtesy of an interview. You chose him. It's on your time. It's a freaking mess out there. And Michael Goodwin says, oh, I don't regret my vote. You should take your big pen and impale yourself, Michael Goodwin. Come into my world. Ride the subways. Walk the streets. Don't stay up there in the tower with all your intellectual friends talking about, oh, if only Eric Adams would have lived up to his promises. He's a freaking politician. He lies. Curtis Lee says, trust no politician. They must verify first, then trust them. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Dolls, better days. That's what we're hoping for. Bill O'Reilly there talking about the possibility of a Trump who's going to win the Republican nomination easily. Most polls this morning, he's up upwards of 40 points on Ron DeSantis. 40. So the question becomes, is it going to be Biden? And there, Bill O'Reilly, on with me every Thursday. I don't know if there are any tickets left. I really don't. It was selling hot. Early last week, Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg on stage together coming up Friday night, October the 27th at the Paramount Theater in Huntington, Long Island, a New York state of mine. A big, 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 big show. We'll add more because it's going to sell out if it hasn't already. But O'Reilly was talking moments ago about the possibility of Biden not even running. And obviously, Devin Archer on Capitol Hill yesterday doesn't help. Although, again, people like Dan Goldman and many other Democrats, these assholes on MSNBC, they'll tell you every morning that this is just casual conversation. Joe Biden saying hello. There's nothing to this. No liars. So Andy Biggs, who's a rep out of Arizona, he said yesterday that Devin Archer, a former business partner of Hunter Biden, far as I know, no axe to grind. He was convicted of two felonies, yes, years ago in a deal with the Native American Indians. But Tony Bobolinsky, all these guys, all these former business partners have turned the last couple of years on Biden. And it's nothing personal. Fact is, Hunter is a lowlife. And his father is even worse because Hunter has somewhat of an excuse. He's a junkie. And so am I. I'm a recovering addict. But Hunter is really lowbrow, really lowbrow. And his father is taking all this cash without an argument. And he's been referred to in all these documents, besides the phone calls that he was on or meetings were, quote, unquote, in a text read, he's sitting right next to me. He's been referred to as the big guy. And Andy Big said yesterday, Devin Archer, 1,000% implicated the president of the United States. Andy Biggs, cut number nine. Archer talked about the big guy and, and how Hunter Biden always said, we need to talk to my guy. We need to see when my guy is going to be here and those types of things. So one more talking about the president being compromised. All these countries, China, Russia, Ukraine, some of our biggest enemies or adversaries, we've got an issue because President Biden can't do to them what President Trump does. Here's Andy Biggs, cut number 10. Do you think the president of the United States is compromised based on Archer's testimony? I think so. I think so. And we'll, con- we'll continue to, to do 
our, our due diligence and our research. Let me make this clear. Devin Archer's testimony yesterday means nothing. Means nothing. Doesn't matter what Jim Comer and Nancy may say. And it doesn't matter what Dan Goldman says. Republicans believe Joe Biden took money. Democrats may believe it, too, but they will never publicly admit it and never give any real credence to it until we see a deposit slip that says Joe Biden, $10 million. Doesn't matter what they say yesterday on Capitol Hill. Doesn't matter how many meetings Jim Comer puts together with Jim Jordan. None of it matters. It just doesn't matter. That's a fact. I know Sean Hannity gets all riled up and all these folks, and they're telling you it means nothing. It's a waste of time. I'm sorry. I'm on that side. I want to see Joe Biden go down. There is no question in my mind that Joe Biden is corrupt. Forgetting about dementia, old man, grandpa falling down the stairs. He's corrupt. He's a scumbag of the worst kind and has been for years. You could date back 40 years ago. I've got Johnny Carson and Robin Williams making fun of Joe Biden. Been stealing money forever. Guy's never made more than a couple of hundred thousand dollars and lives in a $6 million mansion in Delaware. Give me a break. But with all that said, until we see a real piece of evidence, nothing's going to happen. It's unfortunate, but that's the truth. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. On your Tuesday morning, been a great show already. Famed defense attorney, Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa. Still to come, big, big guest list. Alan Dershowitz, great attorney. He's going to be here. Jacqueline Toberoff, she's got a new book out. It's great. She'll be here. Gordon Chang, Suzanne Miller, and former New Jersey, New York housewife, excuse me, Jill Zarin, and former Beverly Hills housewife, John Cougar's daughter, Teddy Mellencamp. But we, we do want to put this time aside Every Tuesday morning for a man that over the better part of two decades distinguished himself as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City. Got on to become an amazing actor, whether it's television shows like Gravesend or Godfather of Harlem, big time movies from Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman. And uh, he's in this new movie, too, Inside Man, coming out next Friday, August 11th. He's a great actor, but most importantly for the Rosenberg family, a relative. He's a friend of nearly 30 years, and we all love him. It's the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo. Good morning, Sid, and I've been listening very feverishly all morning, and I listen to you every, every day. Thank you. Because you are the voice of truth. I got a little bad news. My son, Richard, who's 43 years old, who lives out in Long Island, takes the train into New York. 
travels the subways every day and just does his job. The most beautiful young man in the world. I've never had a problem with him. All he does is love life. He loves to read. He loves people. He never, ever gets angry, never has an argument. Guess what? He became the victim. And everyone who's listening there will become a victim of a crime or know someone who will become a victim of crime. Crossing the street, my son Richard was going out for lunch. He works in my office. All of a sudden, he was hit by a motorcycle, oh. motorbike. All I can tell you is there's no pedals on it. Oh. And he was walking across, and he got rammed. And he had to go to the hospital with his knee. We still don't know the extent. He's out of the hospital, but oh. we don't know the extent of the injury to his knee. What I'm bringing out is that all of a sudden, my daughter, Jacqueline, said, uh, Rich, did you get the guy's name? <laughs> I laughed. I said, well, name? His name is... Julio Gonzalez from El Salvador. <laughs> that is the name they all use now. Yep. Julio Gonzalez yep. of El Salvador. They'll run you over and guarantee you if you toss him, he probably was carrying a gun. When is this insanity in New York City? My, we'll go into what my mayor just came out with this five pieces of legislation. But let's talk about what's going on. And all I know is one thing. These people on these motorcycles and motorbikes, we have New York state laws motor vehicle department laws. Each one of them are breaking the law. Every time they get on these illegal motorcycles and motorbikes and go 50, 60 miles an hour down the wrong way, on sidewalks, up and down, you know what? It's a matter of time before more New Yorkers are going to die. Yes, die. They're going to get hit with one of these motorcycle motorbikes. They're going to hit their head, and they're going to die, and no one is doing anything. Right now, we have... 80% of those people I saw at Roosevelt Hotel, which I reported even before my dear friend Curtis Sleewa reported, 80% of them are young males. We don't have a clue. This is going to be the beginning of the new crime wave for New York City. It's going to be these illegals that are there because how else are they going to make money? What are they going to do? They're going to turn to robberies. They're going to turn to murder. And they're going to turn to make New York City go into the the head, the highest crime wave we've ever seen. We have no clue. How do you track somebody down? How many Julio Gonzalez's are there from El Salvador? How do we track these people down? We don't even know who the hell they are. And now we're worrying. We're worrying about legislation for all these Fugazi groups there, uh, criminal justice program, this one, juvenile, this. How about dealing with the crime? How about dealing with prevention for the crime? Right now, we have a crime rate that will be soaring. I guarantee you, what we got to do is we got to start right from the beginning. Preventive, quality of life. We got to go out there. We can't be sitting back. I had four, uh, three of the former police commissioners on Bo Deedle's True Crime podcast. And I'm going to tell you something. We had Bratton, Kelly, and Kerry. Every one of them says the same thing. We have to go after every one of these. Again, you know what these bikes do? Bike. I don't call them bikes. These motorcycles. You can see them at night. I live up on the Upper East Side. You see First Avenue at night around 9 o'clock. It's like... Uh, uh, roving gangs that are going into the Bronx, up First Avenue, across the bridge up there, and what they do is they go home to their places in the Bronx. We should follow them up there with unmarked cars and paddy wagons, and when they park those bikes, bring a paddy wagon, and if they don't have a license plate on it, confiscate the damn thing. Let it be known. If you don't have a license plate and you don't have a driver's license, it will be confiscated. That's where we start. 
Then we have to uh, deal with the problem. And then all of a sudden, our, our mayor went to see this other fool, this president fool. Instead of getting more money to help, all of a sudden, Biden told him, oh, we're going to give you a liaison. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a liaison. How about helping us with money? And right now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to have a deficit in 2026 in New York State and New York City of $40 billion. Where do you think they're going to go, Sid? You got a paycheck? We'll be paying 60% taxes next. There'll be a surcharge on crime. There'll be a surcharge on all these Julios coming over from through the border. We don't even know who they are. Where are we going with this? Again, prime... What we have to have is crime prevention. I'm I'm, I'm sorry for stuttering because I'm so upset about my son. But you know what? I'm more upset. No, I know. I'm more upset. I'm more upset, Sid, because everyone listening, you will, or someone you know, a loved one, will become a victim. There's no doubt. No, there's there's no doubt. And they're coming to the Rockaways. You are not going to be alleviated. Next, Julio Gonzalez. From El Salvador, their name that they use all the time will say, hey, we could stay on the beach and go swimming. I read the message uh, this morning. My beautiful wife, Danielle, who you're very, very close with, Bo. She loves yeah. you, too. She goes for her morning 10, 12, 14-mile run. She's actually training to run the NYPD with the cops. She's running with Tom Biggers and the police this year. And she gets to the beach this morning, and the first thing she sees are two tents and piles and piles of not horse or dog feces, human feces. And you know how gorgeous my neighborhood is? It's not going to stop. You're exactly right. I got, I, got some, I got some bad news for you, Sid. When I was by the Roosevelt Hotel, they were passing flyers around. And they were passing flyers around, go to the Riviera Rockaways. No. Stay on the beach. Listen, listen, Sid. Stay on the beach where you can go take a swim. You don't have to take a shower. Just take a swim. Stay on their little bonfire, and best of all is you just jump on the train. Why do you need a Why do you need a train pass? Just jump the train. Trail right, it's and free. Go to the Rockaways. <laughs> Let's be on the Riviera next to Sid. <laughs> no, it, it is unbelievable. I take two trains, uh, Bo. I take the six train from 51st Street to 42nd Street. Then I take yeah. the four or five express down to Wall Street. Then I make a seven block walk to the ferry. Do you know, Bo? I swear to God, on my kids. I have never not once paid for my train, and then I, I spend money on the ferry every day, and not a day goes by where I don't see some kid or adult, adult, jump the stupid thing and, and, and not pay. Why am I paying? Why? Why well, should whole, I have to pay? Thing, Sid, the whole thing, Sid, is when you let, and I talk to all the former police commissioners, and everyone says this thing, when you let, when you let quality of life fall down, yep. that is the beginning of the end. And all these great commissioners that were there turned it around. And you know what? We can do lip talk. All these groups, Operation Thrive, that was another winner. A billion dollars. Big Bird and his ugly wife took that money, and no one cares about it. I'm sorry for calling her ugly, but she's no uh, she's no Halle Berry. Put it that way. Okay. Now, the other side of the coin. Oh, hold on one second. But, but, other... but, but if you complain about that, they call you yeah. a racist. And I'm going to oh, yeah. say this. It's very anecdotal. It's just me, just Sid Rosenberg's experience, but the overwhelming majority of the people I see, kids and adults, every day jumping over those train things uh, to get inside the train are black. 
So here I am again. If it sounds like I'm calling out one particular community more than you want to hear it, tough shizzle because the facts and, are the facts. You know, we got to deal with it. You know, when he, when I was talking about the federal gun laws, and you got this guy named uh, Damian Williams, the, uh, a direct a Garland appointee, another liberal uh, progressive piece of garbage, the Southern District. When I was talking about the gun laws, when you're a convicted felon, you carry a gun, you're looking at 10, 15 years in the federal jail. Everyone says, well, Bo, they don't want to do it. I said, well, why wouldn't we? Because there will be too many blacks and it's racist. Huh. And I say it on your show all the time. I never looked. I was a servant in a black and Hispanic community. I never looked at color. I looked at good, bad, criminal, or good person. And that's what we should be doing. We're talking about crime prevention. It must be dealt with. And part of it, too, is, you know, I talked about this be able, be able. It's an educational tool that I brought to the mayor. I brought to the uh, uh, Chancellor Banks. It teaches kids in school and kindergarten that you can be anything you want. It takes them right through through high school if they want to go to college. But teach them there is more to life than looking at these scumbags with the gold teeth, with the diamonds, with these rap songs and all this crap. You could be more. We have to educate our young kids. This is not the way you go in this life. Also, it should be for Eric Adams. You are the number one politician right now, Biden's a fool. He's like he's brain dead. But right now, the mayor of New York City, <laughs> Eric Adams, is probably one of the most important people in this country. He is one of the being the mayor of New York City is probably, like we always said, the second most important. He should have every other week or every week he should take his car or helicopter, whatever, if he wants to I'll pay for some of his transportation. He should be up there with Snaggletooth, the governor, also that scarf lady and, uh, and little Hevesy there, and bang him, bang him. He should be talking about this bail reform must be Wait revenge. a second, but wait a second. Clearly, you don't pay attention because, and I'm being sarcastic, Bo, but the public advocate, Jumani Williams, came yeah. out yesterday and savaged oh. my friend, Democrat Councilman Bob Holden out of Queens and Jennifer Harrison, and said bail reform, quote, Jumani Williams, bail reform is not responsible for one death in this city. Not one. Yeah, okay. And, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that this fool says some shaken who lives in Fort Hamilton with guards all around. Hey, Shake and Bake, why don't you try to take the subway sometime, Shake and Bake? You're a punk, and you've always been a punk, Jamati. You're only there for one reason, Jamati. And let's face it, you've got about brain matter as Biden has. Not <laughs> So stop being a fool. When you make a statement like that, that bail reform didn't, you tell that to the dead, uh, the, the dead children that are out there being shot by stray bullets. You tell it to the families. You're a fool. When you talk like that, you're a fool. It hasn't done anything to anybody. You have every convicted felon running around. Now you're passing another bill that if you're a convicted felon, it goes off your record in seven years. And if you have a misdemeanor three years, where are we going? Night of the living dead here. Then I look around, and then I look, I look into Washington, and I look at this guy, Devin Archer, puts the whole thing together. It's a picture of Biden on my beautiful golf course, Sabonic. That's Sabonic <laughs> with Devin Archer, with, uh, with Biden. And then all of a sudden, you got the newest thing, congestion pricing. Now you want me to pay more to go into, to get robbed and murdered? So I got to pay another $20 a day to get robbed and murdered in this city? Where are we going? What are we doing? Wow. Wow. 
You know, I get a lot of feedback. Thank you, Bo. I get a lot of feedback on on all my guests. I do. And I swear to God, I'm not blowing smoke up Bo Dito's ass. But the feedback I get for him is it's a lot. Uh, People love Bo Dito. That's a guy that he's almost in tears every time he hangs up. Now, he's a great actor. (laughs) I've studied Bo Dito. But he is sincere. He loves this city. He could be living right now anywhere he wants, including Florida. But he stays and works in New York City, tries to befriend the mayor, tries to help everybody make this city a better place. And almost every week, while he's angry at times and frustrated, Bo Deedle on this show is driven to tears. That's all you need to know. The toughest guy in New York is driven to tears. Good for you, Bo Deedle. We're coming back. I love you right after this. to your favorite shows live and on demand 24-7. Download the 77 WABC mobile app now. Real New York 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Boy, you my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Never say never as we start the 8 o'clock hour, hour three of the number one morning talk show in New York, News Talk. That's us, Sid and Friends, in the morning, 8.10 on your sunny Tuesday morning. Never say never. Eric Adams, the mayor, he's been the subject of a lot of conversation already this morning between my three guests, Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, and Bo Diddle. He says uh, New York will not become a tent city. And what I would say to Eric Adams is what the fray is singing right now. Never say never, because I can tell you this, again, very anecdotal. But uh, Danielle, out running this morning, claims during her 12-mile run, getting ready for the New York City Marathon, that now she saw two tents early. On her run, she saw five. Five migrant tents in and around the beach, and as Curtis calls it, the Irish Riviera, Rockaway, Bell Harbor, and the Ponset. Beautiful community. Beautiful. 
five tenths this morning. That is putrid. Yeah. 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 Can't really think of a better word to describe it. Here's uh, Adams yesterday saying it ain't going to become a tent city. And the word on the street is, Eric, a little late for that. The Roosevelt Hotel, tents on the beach. Eric Adams, cut number 19. I can assure you that this city is not going to look like other cities with their tents up and down every street. Well, you can't. You can't insure that at all. In fact, you can't insure dick. You're throwing your hands up every single day saying, I don't know what to do. I can't help it. I need more help from Hochul. I need more help from Joe Biden. I need more help from Hashem. Somebody help me. How can you possibly, possibly say I could assure you of anything when you're in control of nothing? Thousands are coming in every day. Ninety plus thousand every day. Buses arrive in this city. How can you insure New Yorkers of anything other than crime and taxes? I will insure you, if you live in New York, you will pay taxes and at some point be a victim of crime. I can insure you that. Try that, Eric. See, that's called honesty. If you did that, yes, if you live in certain areas in Brooklyn and the Bronx, I insure you you're going to be a victim of crime. At least you're being honest. You can't insure people of anything at this point because you're in control of nothing. Hundreds of people scrolled outside the Roosevelt Hotel, tents popping up in Rockaway. This is a nice area. Eric, this isn't one of those six neighborhoods in the Bronx and Brooklyn where you're putting together a $500 million deal to stop crime. I'm sorry, John, Tatchup, all you folks that love him. His heart may be in the right place, but I'm almost done with him. I really am. And I have been that way for months. You guys know that. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks, I kind of get pulled back in, and I consider, at least I consider, another sit-down, talk to him, all these things. It's always hardest at the uh, goal line there, you know? Yeah. And by the way, we don't even know if these tents are migrants. They, They may just be homeless. Either way, what is the quality of life? Forgetting about those people, because at the risk of sounding insensitive, that's just me. I care less about them than me. Because I'm the guy getting up at 3.30 in the morning and going to work every day. What is my quality of life that I have to walk by a tent on the beach, whether it's homeless or migrants, they don't belong? You want to do something for the city, Eric? Grab a bus, pick them up, take them to Rikers. You got acres, you got acres and acres and acres on Rikers Island with nothing going on. Put them there till you figure out something better. The beaches where I live, the streets in New York City, uh uh-uh. And you can't have it both ways. Well, but we're nice here. We take care of them. How? There's no money. There's no place to put them. And who gets effed? People like me. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of paying for everybody else, of worrying about everybody else. Whether it was COVID, don't go outside without a mask, or the homeless. When does Sid Rosenberg count? When do I count? Seriously, when do I count? Everybody else I got to worry about. And oh, if you're a racist and you're insensitive and you're, I don't care what I am. I work my ass off about my own personal problems. I don't ask for any sympathy. 
I don't. I'm accountable for all of it. I've apologized time and time again, and I work hard every day not to make the same mistakes. Every day. And most of the time, I do a pretty good job. But what about me? When do I count? What do I got to worry about the homeless, the migrants, the sick people in the streets with their masks on? What about me? He ensures you. Here's our more Eric Adams. Just in case you don't feel bad enough already, he, here's what he assures you, too. It's going to get worse. Cut number 20. We need help, and it's, it's not going to get any better. Uh, from, from this moment on, on it's downhill. Uh, there is no more room. Not going to get better. From this moment on, it's just... And how am I supposed to feel about that, Eric? How could you ensure, assure me? That this won't happen in the very next sentence. Tell me it's going to get worse. Explain that to me. Remember Denzel Washington in the movie Philadelphia? Talk to me like I'm a first grader. Tell me how you're telling me in one sentence it's going to get worse. But you can make assurances to people in New York City. Do you understand the issue? We can't trust you. One hand, you tell everybody, well, the federal government needs to step it up. And the very next day, you refer to yourself as the Biden of Brooklyn. Well, which one is it? Is Joe Biden destroying our cities and our states and our country, or is he a great president? One day, you tell us, ah, oh, Kathy Hochul is doing a great job. I know Kathy's tried to change bail reform just a bit, not enough. I haven't heard Kathy come out and call out Carl Heasty or Andrea Stewart-Cousins or any of these low-life animals for nothing. Nothing. Whose side are you on? Pick a side, Eric Adams. Whose side are you on? You on our side? Hardworking, good people? Or the other side? Crooks. Stealing money every day at every opportunity. Stealing money. Which side are you on? Because right now, it seems like you're on both. And much like an NFL football team, when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. You don't have one. What side are you on? I am so tired of it. I'm tired of people in my own office who I deem dear friends telling me he's okay. He's a good guy. He's all we got. You weren't saying that crap about Bill de Blasio. And sometimes I don't even trust people. If Eric Adams was white, would he be getting the same support? Or are you people afraid? Because he's black. And if you've forgotten he's black, he tells you every step of the way. Stop telling me he's our only choice. He's okay. Bill de Blasio was our only choice. He sucked. Joe Biden is our only choice at president right now till 2024. He sucks. Kathy Hochul is our only choice at governor right now. She sucks. I am not going to warm up to somebody because that's our only choice. Do something good. Make me warm up to you. Handing out food to the homeless on Wednesday nights is beautiful. I've done it with the mayor. It's great. Fantastic. And then what? Then he goes home to the pearly whites of Gracie Mansion, and those people, some of whom are dangerous, mind you, build a tent by my house. Is anybody else sick of this? Are you all okay with this? I know Joe from Rightway is sick, but anybody else? You're all okay with this? This is the city you envisioned? This is the state 
You envisioned this is the country? You envision you're okay? You love him? He's doing a great job? Because he's better than de Blasio? You love him? Take a bit. Back after this. Some things we don't talk about. Better do without. Oi. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Roses for you, don't cry. That's at the request of my next guest, who has been on the station, I believe, a few times before, but with Frank Morano. Morano came to one morning and he said, You know, I've got a guest on. She'd be good for your show. I said, Okay, who is she? Because he did the same thing. Well, who's the lady that was on? She was on with Stern all the time a couple of weeks ago. She came on with me. Politics, movie critic. Oh. She's well, very good. Yeah, the name's slipping. Whatever in. it was. I'm going to find out for you. Yeah, but once in a while, Frank, you know, he recommends these people. And he said, there's a girl on my show. Her name is Jacqueline Toberoff. And she's got a new book out, and it's entitled Supermoms Activated, 12 Profiles of Hero Moms Leading the American Revival. And he said, I think you'll like her. And I said, okay, great. So I reached out to Jacqueline on Instagram. She's a world traveler, mind you. She's never here. And um, she couldn't wait to come on, which I was humbled. And here she is making her debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning live in studio after telling me, after my very spirited last 15 minutes on the mayor, that she thinks he's the worst mayor ever. And that's Eric Adams. Good morning, Jacqueline. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Now, why, uh, you know, again, you, you said to me, I thought you were friends. Now, I understand one thing. I am critical of friends. I'm critical of family members. I yelled at my daughter twice yesterday, and I love her more than myself. But, Eric, over the last couple of months, that friendship has eroded. Even though we've had nice texts the last couple of weeks, I find myself more and more angry and frustrated. The migrant crisis, the crime, there are never any answers. Just blames everybody else or spends more money. I know why I'm pissed off. What about you? Well, it's funny. I was visiting my parents who are New York City refugees. They just moved. They could not take it anymore. And what happened was I got home yesterday night. I got off the airport, got home from the airport, went out to get my kids some food. And in one block, there were three illegal weed shops. Their doors, unlike any other business, restaurant, store, are open. And the weed is permeating throughout the block. Oh. It's The kids are getting used to it. And I think the goal seems to be to get the children hooked on drugs. You think that's the actual goal? One hundred percent. It's now it's, why now why why would they want that? It's oh, a financial oh, for business. 
it's a financial windfall. Um, the city will bankroll, and then they get to expand their government factotums and create helpful agencies, social workers, DEI executives to manage those task forces. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Okay, well, let's get to your book, though. So I just got a text from the mayor. I swear to God, <laughs> I swear, I'm not even kidding you. As you're talking to me, he said the team is handling a bunch of stuff. I've been on your, your show more than any other, blah, blah, blah. So um, we'll get to it. Okay, fine. Uh, Super Moms Activated. I've seen uh, you do a bunch of interviews on Fox News, some other outlets, Frank Morano as well. I have a guest on quite a bit. She writes for the New York Post. But much like your parents, she left. She had enough. She moved to Boca Raton. And that's my friend Carol Markowitz. And watching you, listening to you, and getting to read some of your book, you remind me an awful lot of Carol Markowitz. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, that's a huge compliment. I'm a tremendous fan of hers. You are? Okay. So uh, your book is is basically how mothers, because of one party, the Democrats, have stripped moms of all their power to the point where they no longer are able to make decisions on education, on sex, on all the things moms and dads, but mostly moms, decided on before. They've basically been stripped of their power. And if, in fact, you tried to be a hands-on parent, you're a terrorist. I mean, I'm dear friends with one of your friends in the book here, Ashra Nomani. And she wears a shirt all the time. I'm not a terrorist. I'm a mom. And that's what your book is basically about, right? So I interviewed 12 super, super moms. They are powerhouses. Tina Deskovich, who is Moms for Liberty. Astra Namani, as you said. Kimberly Fletcher of Moms for America. Uh, Samara Armstrong, she ran for mayor of uh, in Arizona. I have tons. But the point is they attack woke ideology from 12 different angles. They provide the blueprint so any parent can get involved And by the way, this is not just for moms, Um, super dads, grandparents, any taxpayer is funding the educational system, which is basically our demise. You know, it's funny. We live in Boca Raton, and one of the reasons why we came back to New York, the main reason was me, to be honest, because entertainment, you can't beat this city. And I really, over the last six or seven years, had a great renaissance. So I made the right move. But one of the things we said was, you know, we're going back to a better school system, too. My son, Gabriel, for example, Jacqueline, he was seven. My daughter now in college in Europe, she was nine. And we were excited to bring our kids back to New York. I must tell you that they've been to schools, public schools and private schools in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Over that six-year period, it was a complete nightmare. The DOE is a disaster. The union are terrorists from Weingarten to Mulgrew and on. You know that better than anybody, don't you? Yeah, I do. So just so you know... This summer's required reading from the largest teachers union presided over by Randy Weingarten, 1.7 million members are being required to read Gender Queer. Biden Stop. and the teachers union, Stop. it's a bad after school special, they have created not a fair or free market, but a fixed market, which is why I urge you to support conservative authors and please buy Supermoms Activated. It's the panacea to gender queer, which your kids will be pumped up on come September. Yeah, I saw a report on uh, Jane Pauley's show. I, I like that show. They show, like, babbling brooks and rivers and all that type of thing. It's very good on a <laughs> Sunday morning. Before I watch Joel Osteen, and I'm Jewish, uh, I just need some of that, you know, some of that uh, spirituality on a Sunday. And uh, she was talking to a bunch of ladies that started this uh, Liberty Freedom Group. You know who they are? Their moms also. And uh, they were saying, you know, Catcher in the Rye, no good. You know, movies like... Um, you know, what's the, the classic with Clark Gable and... Uh, Gone with the Wind. No good, but genderqueer, fantastic. And they fight this, and I had them both on my show. I was proud to have them on. This is a major issue. 
This is a major issue. So racism and sexually exploiting children seems to be the Democrats' mantra. And Randy Weingarten is all in. And, you know, the truth is private schools are really not that much better. They have opted into accreditation, which means they operate like public schools, save for the $60,000 tuition. My uh, beautiful wife, Danielle, says, can you please ask Jackie if they've litigated this because parents have a First Amendment right to privacy to raise their children as they see fit? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, listen, there are apparently 800 different sets of rules. And parents, as Oscar says, we have been labeled domestic terrorists. So, this is this is very hopped up language, and it's for a reason. They are definitely planning something, and that's again why you should buy this book. It, it prepares you for what is coming and what you can do to fight. Well, that. there's two things you can do. You can buy this book, Super Moms Activated, and it is a great book, and it's a very important book. I mean that. Go buy it right now, Super Moms Activated. Buy it on Amazon. But you can also vote. You know, we spend our days and nights. You just called out the mayor. We have city council races coming in November that are really important. Nobody cares. We spend all our time talking about Trump and Biden, which is a huge race. And if you don't vote for Trump, I'm going to tell you right now, you hate this country. It's really that simple. I don't care whether you hate his tweets, his hair, his indictments. If you don't vote for Trump, you hate this country. But these city council races, Jacqueline, they're very important. I could not agree more. Every issue starts locally, and city council is the way to go. By the way, Mayor Adams was elected on 17.5% of the registered voters. I mean, he's acting like, you know, he's George Washington. No one wanted him in. He barely skated through the primary. So no one cared about New York City, and now everyone is bitching. 76% of registered voters say that crime is a serious issue. Where the hell were they when right. it came time to vote? Right. Well, where were they? That's a good. How do you, how do you get these people out to get them to vote? I, I just don't know. Give them an illegal. Give them an illegal that Mayor Adams is telling them that he's going to do. Send them over to the Democrats and the people that didn't vote. Give me uh, some of the parts of this book that speak directly to the frustrated parent like me and Danielle Wolfe years and many others are right now dealing with the public school systems and not just schools but other frustrating areas that moms are experiencing today from the book. Okay, let me give you the best piece of advice You should be asking for a syllabus and a reading list from your school. They are hesitant to do this, but they really have to. You should ask. You should read those books. Some of them are so ridiculous. They are hopped up again on racism and sexually exploiting. I mean, they discuss anal sex, cream pies for five-year-olds. Jesus. I mean, I don't know. That makes you a terrible person if you're critical of that. I just I don't (laughs) understand that. I right, mean, it, it makes you transphobic or racist. Right, exactly right. And 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 drag queens too. I right. mean, look, I don't like drag queens anyway. I guess there's a place for them somewhere in society. People tend to think they're fun. God bless you. I could do without them. But I can tell you this, I can certainly do without them in my schools, right? A hundred percent. Listen, again, anything sexually exploiting children, straight, gay, drag queen, has no place with children. Keep it outside of the school. What else are mothers complaining about above and beyond schools? It was, yeah, sorry. Uh, really, it's the crime. It's the drugs. It's uh, the degraded quality of life here in New York City. It's 100%. No one can stand these illegal weed shops. No one can stand these illegals everywhere. They There are tent cities. I don't know. I heard a previous segment. I don't know what Mayor Adams is talking about. I mean, has anyone walked by the Roosevelt Hotel? But it's also in Tribeca. It's on the subway yeah. in New York City. You see yes. illegals. Holding their children. What happened to the vending? I mean, do they have vendors? I don't know. I mean, we, we, were, we were coming home from upstate New York visiting my mom the other day, and we were sitting in a pretty good amount of traffic on the George Washington Bridge, and right there in the middle of the street was clearly a migrant, because it's the same thing in Fulton Street and the subway and other places, selling fruit. 
see them every day. 100%. Every day, these are the migrants. And what's worse is they're little kids. I've been on the Ford train on Fulton Street when an eight-year-old boy tried to sell me candy. I mean, it is really pathetic. So you have a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. When they leave the house every morning, what is your biggest fear? Besides, of course, God forbid them getting hurt and or killed. What is your biggest fear? Firstly, I think the saddest thing is New York City kids, and by the way, I was born and raised in Manhattan, uh, we were known for being independent. I won't let my kids ride the elevator alone. I bring them to and from school every single day on the subway, and really? after I'm done, yes, of Not course. Not even the elevator? I, listen, there Where are... Where the hell do you live? <laughs> <laughs> New York City in Mayor Adams' crap hole. Uh, that's where I live. I mean, I have, it's, it's, I have a homeless encampment right outside of my building. Uh, will, you, will you tell me what part of the city? Tribeca, don't... across the street from City Hall, I have found three hypodermic needles, and that should come as no surprise to anyone since our mayor has spearheaded the crack vending machine. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. literally, it's its like they're drug pushers, this administration. <laughs> and that's a nice area. I mean, we just, we, uh, it was. Had, we have an issue with my house, so we were forced to move. We just got back home about a month ago, but we spent four months down in Battery Park right off of Liberty Avenue, yeah. walking distance. And we, we love places like Bubby's, yeah. which is interesting. You know that place. And other restaurants. But I've noticed this time around, we lived there back in 2001, right after 9-11. We lived in Battery Park. But I noticed this time around, 21 years later, not exactly the same. No, it's not the same. Nowhere in America is the same. Nowhere in the globe is the same. I mean, Biden, Adams, the left has absolutely destroyed the world. they Sorry, go ahead. Well, can you do something legally about this? Getting back to my wife's original point about there's a litigation going on. Yeah. Can we sue somebody? Can we do something? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> listen, personal agency is the most important thing. It, you can do class action suits. You can pull your kids out of these crappy schools. If you're in a private school, stop donating. You know, stop giving money. You pay enough. Let them let them exploit that tuition that you're paying. Stop donating more. If you're in a public school, uh, it's bad. It's I mean, bad. It, it's bad. Yeah. It's so bad. are you going to, sooner than later, maybe follow your mom and dad <laughs> and get the hell out of here? Because if you do that, just so you know, you're a quitter. I, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> no one likes a quitter, and I am not a quitter, and I refuse to freaking leave this city. I'm going to make them leave. I am not leaving this city ever. I love this city. I hate the people that run it, and it's a travesty. And listen, again, to your point, November 7th, our city council elections. We can turn this whole thing around. We have to fire everyone in city council who is a progressive, Tiffany Caban, Christopher Marty from my area. There are tons. Go oh. online. Um, and then, gosh, get rid of this terrible mayor. Terrible. And then what about this uh, this ridiculous Manhattan Borough president? This guy's named Levine. Levine? What a jerk off he is. Why do we have that position? What is, I mean, if anything, look, these people have proved we do not need half of these government factotums. We don't. You're right. Okay, the book is Super Moms Activated for folks who want to buy it right now, and I'm sure they will. Uh, again, speaking to 12 leading moms, including my dear friend Asra Nomani, how do they get it right now? Go to Amazon online, Super Moms Activated, 12 profiles of Hero Moms leading the American Revival. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jacqueline4NYC. That's J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-F-O-R-N-Y-C. Now, why is that? Usually when somebody has a four in their Instagram title, they're running for public office. <laughs> I ran for city council. Oh, you did? I did against Christopher Marty, the one that beat me. Um, oh. I lost, but I had three huge victories. I helped change the dynamic in Chinatown. I was part of that nascent wave of mothers who are running as first-time candidates on pro-parental rights issues. Will you run again? I would love to run again. Uh, yeah, I would love to. I think it's our okay. civic duty. I'll endorse you. <laughs> and then you'll win. Great.
Because I'm a huge power guy in this city, just so you know. I'm running Mike Justin isn't that chill. I run this city. Oh, he basically does. Ah, I run the damn place. Come on. You want to run, you're going to win <laughs> next time. I'll tell you that. You're going to win. Uh, good. Okay, so uh, uh, once again, Jacqueline for F-O-R New York. The book is Superman's Activated. The author is Jacqueline Toberoff. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Jacqueline Toberoff, we, uh, we're going to talk to Alan Dershowitz coming up next. Donald Trump may be indicted any second now, literally any second. Then Gordon Chang, then Miller and Zarin, and even Teddy Mellencamp, former star of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's got something big going on. She's going to stop by as well. But first, look at the roads on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Oy. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? 60 boys. I'm not sure Alan Dershowitz loves the Beastie Boys, but he loves Brooklyn. We know that. You know, I think uh, the last time the great constitutional attorney Alan Dershowitz was on, you know, we talked about that sign on the Bell Parkway that was on Welcome Back Cotter. And uh, it used to read fourth largest city in the world. We passed that sign yesterday. Me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe coming home from football giants training camp from New Jersey. And now it reads how sweet it is. Which is so stupid. There's this nothing so to do stupid. with Brooklyn. Even better up with forget about it. I mean, it's insulting forget about it, but it makes more sense. But I did some research. I think Alan said this last time. Brooklyn is now, it's a borough, of course, but it's the third largest city in the world behind New York and L.A. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, here he is. I believe now it is the third largest. Is that right, Alan? Well, in the country, in the country. country but, you yeah. know, from yeah. now on, a little Frank Sinatra for me. Is that I, what you I want? Was, you got it. That was what I grew up with in Brooklyn. I did it my way. New York, New York. You know, those were I know, but, but he's a Hoboken, New Jersey guy. Like, he's a Hoboken guy. I know, guy. Yeah. but I'll tell you, he was an honorary Jew. He was so supportive of Israel. Uh, you know, he started in a film about Israel. He used to raise money for Israel. That was the day when Hollywood people actually supported democracy and the right values instead of today being so anti-israel and often anti-american yeah uh, you're right you're I, right I see it on i see it on chillmark on martha's vineyard which has become infested with hollywood types that uh just are knee-jerk radical woke anti-american anti-israel uh our synagogue our local synagogue on martha's vineyard its featured speaker is peter beinart who doesn't believe that Israel has the right to exist, 
and I have been banned from speaking at our local <laughs> synagogue. So what do you think I did? I started another synagogue, a Chabad synagogue, uh, on Martha's Vineyard. Now it has more people than the traditional anti-Israel synagogue. Wow. Uh, which yeah. shul does Larry David go to? Uh, he's never. I, he doesn't go to shul, <laughs> and he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't support really anything. Not. Anything Jewish. Right. Uh, you know, he's from Brooklyn, but uh, Brooklyn should not be particularly proud of him. Have you ever walked on the Brooklyn Walk of Fame? Boy, that is a list of people uh, that is unbelievable. How many important, prominent, influential, good people have come from Brooklyn is absolutely remarkable. I will not walk on the Brooklyn Hall of Fame, Alan. Don't be angry with me until my name is there. Well, it should be there, without a doubt. I don't know why, why it isn't there. It should be there. People should have the right to step on you the way they step on me. Who are some other great Brooklyn names that are there besides you? And you, by the way, deservedly so. Oh, uh, me. Of course, all the great boys of Brooklyn, you know, Carl Farrell and Gil Hodges and those guys. And and and, and uh, uh, Woody Allen is there and Alan King is there and Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, lots and lots of them. What about Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond? Oh, of course they're there. Yeah, they yeah. got to be there. Yep. They are. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, Erasmus Hall High School, I went to high school right next to Erasmus Hall, the same time that Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, and Bobby Fischer oh. all went to Erasmus Hall High School. And, of course, <laughs> James Madison's famous for its uh, politicians yes. and court justices. Uh, just a remarkable place to have grown up. Yes. Uh, I live two blocks away. That was on. That is on, I should say, Bedford and uh, 24th, I lived on East 22nd in Quentin. My mother and my sisters went to Madison. Uh, this generation, Bernie Sanders, Norm Coleman, Chuck Schumer, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Lincoln yeah. High School. My father went to Lincoln, as did yeah. Lou Gossett Jr., Lee Mazzilli, and many other greats. Yeah, my father went to like a place called Fort Hamilton. It was like a trade school. Uh, I don't know if it still exists. And then he went to Torah Vadas Yeshiva, which was one of the first yeshivas in Brooklyn that my grandfather helped to found in Williamsburg. Wow. So nostalgia, Brooklyn, wow. Mm, the I, best, the best. So don't get mad at me, but I, I, I um, well, I did something last week without asking you, but I'm going to, I'm going to admit to it now. So I was talking to somebody very close to the president, and you keep telling me, and I believe you, that the president, who's about to be indicted any second now for the third time, this is the January 6th nonsense, that the president is having a hard time putting together a good legal team because folks who represent the president, including you, end up getting sued and uh, ostracized and all this stuff. So I reached out to one of Trump's people, even though you said to me, I don't make it a habit of representing somebody twice. You see, I listen, I pay attention, Alan. I reached yeah, out and is. I said, even though Dersh said he does not make it a habit of representing somebody twice because his book, Get Trump, is doing so well and Trump's name is in the title, he might make an exception for the president. So my uh -huh. suggestion is call Alan Dershowitz. That was two days ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did he call you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been called repeatedly by people on his behalf. And, look, I give advice on your show and on shows like this. And uh, sometimes they listen to my advice, sometimes they don't. Uh, but I'm hoping they can finally put together – a first-rate team, because whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, every American should be vigorously defended under the Sixth Amendment if they're indicted. And there shouldn't be organizations like the 65 Project, which in a McCarthyite way are trying to 
uh, uh, discourage lawyers, more than discourage lawyers, frighten lawyers into not defending uh, Donald Trump. And so, you know, I'm hoping he puts together a team. I know he has one of your friends already representing him, and Arthur Adala and Imran uh, Ansari would be great people added to his team, people like Ben Bronfman. There are great lawyers around who should be asked to defend them. And, um, you know, I defend the Constitution. I'm happy to say anything that supports the Constitution. And going after him on the, quote, fake electors is violating the Constitution. The Constitution provides for a way of challenging elections, not going out on the streets, not breaking into the Capitol. Uh, the way to challenge elections is to come up with an alternate slate of electors. That's what happened with Tilden Hayes. That's what happened with Thomas Jefferson. That's what happened with uh, uh, actually in, in the 1960 election of Kennedy. Uh, there were uh, a slate of alternate electors put forward. So if he gets indicted or if any of the others already have been indicted on the, quote, fake elector scheme, that's going to raise a very, very interesting constitutional question. You know, you mentioned one of my friends represents him, and, of course, you're referring to Joseph Takapina, a friend of mine from our days together in Brooklyn at Poly Prep. We carpooled together 46 years ago, and Artie's a very good friend. In fact, Artie was on uh, two hours ago this morning. Uh, But my wife, Danielle, who you've met, Alan, is a wonderful attorney, Uh great attorney. But she started her career working at Legal Aid. She loved that job. She loved that job. She wanted to help all the folks who couldn't help themselves. And there's a story today that the Legal Aid Society – is looking to sue the city, I guess the mayor of the city, I don't know, because of the lack of housing for the migrants. What's your thought on that? Well, you know, we need to be humanitarian. We need to make sure we take care of everybody that crosses our borders, while at the same time having tough security measures to make sure that we're not endangered. We're a country of immigrants, and uh, many of our best citizens came to this country, most of them legally, During the Holocaust, some of them illegally. My grandfather was so proud of having brought 29 of his relatives from Brno, Czechoslovakia. Uh, He promised that all of them would have jobs. Did all of them really have jobs? I'm not so sure. But they all their (laughs) lives have been saved. And so uh, I'm very sympathetic for immigrants. Yeah, I want to give them housing. I'm not sure the legal aid uh, agency, which both my brother and my son worked for when they graduated law school, I'm not sure that's their first priority, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a humanitarian thing. Uh, Welcome strangers, the Bible says, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So uh, I'm very sympathetic to to immigrants, strangers. uh, But let's have a rule of law. Let's control our borders appropriately and let Congress sit down and finally figure out a way around this mess so we don't have really two systems, one of people who stand on line and the other who break into the line. A young lady in here moments ago, Alan, before you, her name is Jacqueline Toborov. She wrote a book called Super Moms Activated. She talked to 12 influential moms, one of which is a good friend of mine. You may know the name, Ashwa Nomani. 12 profiles of hero moms leading the American revival. And, um, and I talk about this at home all the time, too, that the schools have basically taken away parents' rights. In fact, even Ryan DeSantis down in Florida, in an attempt to protect parents, he had that parental act, which the media dubbed the Don't Say Gay Act, and we both know the word gay was never used once, not once, in that bill. Can parents litigate at this point, Alan? Is that realistic? Well, litigation is always the last alternative. It takes forever. It costs a lot of money. 
But of course, parents have have rights. I remember when I was a terrible student in high school. I finished, I think, uh, 39th out of 47 in my class, which means eight people had worse records than me, <laughs> believe it or not. And the principal, Rabbi Zurf, called in my mother and says, what are we going to do with your son? And my mother says, you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep him. And then, uh, <laughs> so my mother was went to the principal's office so often that my friends thought she worked at the school. Uh, I was a bum in, in high school, and then I went to college, and I finished top of my class at Brooklyn College, top of my class at Yale Law School. So uh, maybe it had a little something to do with the school, maybe a little something to do with me growing up by the time I got to college. But I loved college, Brooklyn College was my savior. It really, I mean, if not for Brooklyn College, I'd be selling shoes in Brownsville. I think I'd be a good shoe salesman. <laughs> my father was a salesman. Uh, but uh, I would never, uh, when my mother took me to one of these people who advise what to do, and 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 my mother said he wants to be a lawyer, and, and she, the woman said, Mrs. Dershowitz, don't you understand to be a lawyer, you have to go to college, and your son just isn't college material. Wow. Uh, 50 years teaching at Harvard, I wasn't college material, but uh, wow. um, probably I wasn't college material growing up. All I cared about growing up was basketball, comic books, the Brooklyn Dodgers, flirting, telling jokes. You know, that that was my high school. I, I hear from Arthur Idella, you didn't have such a stellar high school career either. No. Uh, in fact, when I went to poly prep, they have something called the polyglot, which is the end of the year yearbook, uh, Alan. And, uh, you know, they, they, who's the most likely to succeed, blah, blah, blah. And this is the truth. Uh, either the sixth or the seventh grade, the two people least, least likely to succeed, Sidney Rosenberg and Joseph Takapina. <laughs> well, my yearbook, the first draft, said Alan Dershowitz has a mouth of Webster and a head of clay. <laughs> I like that, too. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, about the the First Amendment protection, right to privacy, parenthood. They've got the right to raise their children as they see fit. So if I don't want, for example, some teacher in my kid's class teaching my kid about sex, why isn't that a First Amendment right for me? Well, I think it is a right. Uh, I don't think children uh, below a certain age should be taught more than, you know, some people have two mommies, some people have two daddies. If you see Tommy walking with two mommies, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's okay. But to start to talk about the technicalities of the sexual act and uh, anatomy, I mean, that belongs in high school probably. And and uh, there are many options you have, legislative, judicial. Um, uh, lawsuits are very, very hard to bring. And you need to have what's called standing, and there needs to be a case in controversy, and uh, money passes hands, and it's very, very hard. So the best way to approach these problems is to go to your political leaders and make sure that they do the right thing and make sure that the right balance is struck. Oh, my God, there's no hope. (laughs) Alan, if that's the best route we can go, and I know how much I love you, there is no hope. One more, one more. Nobody more pro-Israel than you. I'll never forget the first time I was convinced to go to a rally of any sorts was Dove Hyken and my wife, really. And they convinced yeah. me to meet all you guys at the New York Times building. I got a beautiful picture in my house of me, you, and Dove up there on the I public. I remember that. Yes. I remember that. When they drew that cartoon of uh, Netanyahu and Trump. You remember that. 
And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and I was out there very proudly bashing the New York Times and supporting Israel and the Jewish religion. So RFK Jr. comes out, and he's starting to make some headway. He's got a little bit of traction. He's second to Biden. Even some Republicans like him. And then he does what I think was a very, very anti-Semitic remark, and he says, look, Jews, Jews were basically saved through COVID. I found it to be anti-Semitic and, quite frankly, ugly. He swears testimony Capitol Hill. That's not true. I'm not anti-Semite. Now, I'm not saying he's an anti-Semite. People do make jokes. They say things. They shouldn't be labeled. But what he said was certainly anti-Semitic. You agree or disagree? Well, I've known Bobby since he was a, since he was a young man. And he says what he thinks. And he often regrets having said it. <laughs> but uh, he's not an anti-Semite. He loves Israel and he's a strong supporter of, of Jews, and so I give him a pass, and he's apologized for anything he said that could be misunderstood. You like him? i got to run. Okay, go ahead. But, go, go, go. Uh, I love you. Hey, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Alan Dershowitz gives me a lot of time. So, well, thank you to Alan. He's got to run. He's probably got another TV show or radio show to do. Or maybe Trump did just call <laughs> Yeah, something was ringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big hour coming up. Gordon Shank, Suzanne Miller, Jill Zarin, and Teddy Mellencamp. Fourth and final hour of what's been an amazing Tuesday edition of New York's number one morning news talk show. With my favorite song, Frank Sinatra, The Summer Wind, Sid and Friends on 77 WABC. It lingered there to touch your hair. And walk with me All summer long We sang a song And then we strolled That golden sand Two sweethearts And the summer wind Is Sid and friends in the morning from our friends. Seventy-seven WABC. China girl brings me to my next guest, and I love this guy. You gotta follow this guy on Twitter. He's the smartest guy on Twitter. He just is Gordon G. Chang, Gordon G. Chang, and I love him on this program. He's on a lot of other shows, but I think he does his best work here. I think he'd agree. What do you think, Gordon Chang? Best work right here? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's great to have you. You're very, very welcome. I, you know, I, I find it uh, almost funny. We're going to get to some really serious China news, but I'm sure you know this. The biggest story, the biggest story coming out of China today. Hangzhou Zoo. That's right. You know exactly the story. Tell folks about this. This is unbelievable. Yes. In the Hangzhou Zoo, and Hangzhou is a big city, which is in the eastern part of China, there is a Malayan um, sun bear. 
At least that's what the zoo says. Now, um, people to the, going to the zoo have taken photographs of this bear standing up. And I have to say, it really does look like a human in a bear suit. But the zoo is adamant. We know that sun bears, um, they do stand up. Um, but, you know, <laughs> when you look at it, it looks like a middle-aged guy with a tummy in a big black suit. Yes, now, it does. It's from a country that zoos routinely fake things, like that they take dogs and they will dye their fur to make them look like a wolf or something. Um, I don't know the answer to this because I don't know enough about Malayan sun bears. But, you know, the people in China, they don't trust their society. So this is the biggest story. Now, the biggest story should be that Beijing right now is underwater. The biggest story should be that the Chinese military is being purged. Uh, the, the, the rocket force, which is they have nuclear weapons, that their senior leaders have been purged. Now, those should be the biggest stories. But, no, the biggest story is the bear. <laughs> it is the bear, and I would imagine it's going to drive people to that park. I know that I, I read four or five columns. I couldn't believe it. But while you're talking about the nuclear purge in China, everything that I've read says it was basically sparked by the Wagner Rebellion. Do you agree with that? Um, probably not. I mean, there's a lot that we don't know. Um, but Xi Jinping this year has been purging officers who are opposed to, go to of going to war. Now, he has purged the top of the rocket force, and there are elements saying, well, this was just a corruption um, inquiry. Well, yeah, almost every senior Chinese general and admiral is corrupt. So they don't get purged because they get corrupt. They purged because the Chinese leader doesn't want them or that there's intense infighting of some sort. Now, we've got to be worried that the guys who launch nuclear weapons um, are in a state of turmoil. Um, but also, more important, we've got to be concerned that the Chinese military now is um, at a point where it's being forced to go to war. Um, and a lot of the senior um, officers don't want to go to war, but Xi Jinping is absolutely determined to take lives. So I read Newsweek every once in a while. And I came across a writer that I kind of like. He's pretty good. In fact, he's you. And uh, the, uh, the article reads, Communist China has peaked, I guess your latest opinion piece, uh, how well Communist China is doing. Tell us about this uh, column in Newsweek and why, in fact, it should make people in the United States afraid. Yeah, this column was paired with one from David Goldman. We have a debate on that question. Has communist China peaked? My point is that uh, what made China successful, which was this demographic boom, um, liberalization of the economy, and a very supportive international environment, all of that has changed. And what we have now is a China which will probably lose somewhere like two-thirds of its population this century. We have a Chinese economy that is going back to totalitarianism. And we know that in Chinese history, whenever leaders have closed off their country like this, there's always been disaster. And, of course, um, countries around China are now banding together because they're concerned about uh, Beijing. They're not supporting it. They're trying to protect themselves from it. So I argue that this was uh, we, we've seen the top of China. But we've got to remember, Sid, that a China on the way down is more dangerous than a strong China. And that's the concern that we have to have right now that Xi Jinping sees a closing window of opportunity and decides he's going to strike sooner than later. Yeah, I get frustrated because I still notice that when we talk about even the presidential race, Gordon Chang in 2024, and they talk about 
foreign policy. They're still talking about Ukraine, Russia. And a lot of these folks have designated Vladimir Putin as the most dangerous man in the world. I I don't know how you can say that. I understand he's got uh, more weaponry, nuclear weaponry than anybody in the world, and he's a madman. I get all that. Had no problem under Obama going into Crimea, under Biden going into Ukraine. That's why not Afghanistan. I get all that. But the truth is, he's not even winning this war. I mean, how can you you not have the guy in China as the most dangerous guy in the world ahead of Putin? You're absolutely right about this. You know, there are a lot of dangerous actors around the world. There's Putin, there's Kim Jong-un, there's whoever is running Iran right now. But all of those guys are really just proxies for China because China is making them dangerous. These guys wouldn't be dangerous if it weren't for China. Russia would have lost the Ukraine war by now were it not for Beijing. Well, well stop right there. That's a big deal. You said, and I quote, Russia would have lost the war in Ukraine. By the way, they would have lost the war in Ukraine, too, if Joe Biden didn't kind of muddle along throughout this thing, because who knows what? Maybe he's compromised. Maybe he's not. But forgetting about our role in this, how did how did Beijing make sure that the Russians haven't lost? Well, first of all, um, they green, the Chinese greenlighted this invasion. This invasion would not have occurred were it not for the Chinese saying, you have permission to go attack Ukraine. But we've seen that China, with elevated commodity purchases, effectively finances the war. Chinese diplomats have been supporting Russia. Chinese propaganda, including TikTok, has been amplifying Russian disinformation. Um, We have China opening up its financial system to Russian institutions that have been sanctioned. And China, from the get-go, has been been providing lethal assistance to Russia. Now, the Biden administration says that's a red line. But it's open reporting. You don't need a security clearance, Sid, to understand that China has been supplying all sorts of lethal aid to Russia for prosecution of this war. If Russia didn't have that supporter in China, it would have lost by now. Matter of fact, as I said, the war would not even have started. Well, yeah, I mean, if China didn't green light the war or red light the war, and of course, it wouldn't have started if Donald Trump was still in Washington, D.C. and not Joe Biden. So those things are definitely 1,000 percent true. And that does bring us to the presidential election. I know Ron DeSantis, for example, Gordon, yesterday came out and he detailed his economic plan. And he did include China. Uh, That was the only foreign country he talked about in his economic plan, Ron DeSantis, that had to make you happy. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, You know, you know, just going back to something that you said and your audience needs to hear this. If Trump had been reelected in 2020, Um, There would be no Ukraine war. Um, There would be no um, problems in the Middle East like they are now. And by the way, North Africa wouldn't be exploding in flames if, if Trump had been president. So really what we've got right now is a world that is really falling apart. We've got um, essentially insurgencies in North Africa that look like wars. That's going to spread. And if China attacks some victim in East Asia, that's World War III. Because we'll have war in Europe, we'll have war in Asia, we'll have war in Africa mm. simultaneously. Mm. That's World War III. Right. So in 60 seconds, so we both agreed that Trump never would have happened. So now he goes out there and he says, let me tell you something. When I win again in 24, it's going to be over in a day, Ukraine, Russia. And even his biggest supporters go, Donnie, baby, calm down. Uh, so, the, so the question is, are we so far along right now, like you say, it could be moments away from World War III, that a Donald Trump win, while it would be great and give us our only opportunity maybe to avoid World War III, may take some time to clean up. Yes or no? 
Yeah, it's, of course, it'll take some time to clean up because right now we are at the most precarious position our um, people who are alive are now. I mean, this is more dangerous than the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis or the Checkpoint Charlie Crisis of 61 and 62. This is exceedingly dangerous. Trump needs a couple days to be able to yeah. clean this up. By the way, both Democrats, Kennedy, 61, 62, Biden, here in, I'm just saying, I don't want to make it a political thing, but Democrats. Anyway, <laughs> Gordon, you're the absolute best. I compel everybody to follow Gordon on Twitter. He's a great follow. You will learn a lot. I know I do. Gordon G. Chang. And as always, thank you for a great appearance, Gordon Chang. You're the best. Thank you so much, Sid. And you're the best. Be well. Stay safe. It's my friend Gordon Chang. I love that guy. I love him. I really do. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and talk real estate in New York between AI and the migrant crisis. Is anybody buying? Suzanne Miller, Red Apple Media Podcast, and former Real Housewife of New York, Jill Zarin. Talk New York real estate right after this. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Still a classic, Billy Joel. In fact, the name of the show that me and Bill O'Reilly are going to do together. And tickets are still on sale at Ticketmaster. There's very few left. But you can buy them at Ticketmaster. Coming up October the 27th, Huntington, Long Island, the Paramount Theater, starring Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg. The name of the show is New York State of Mind by Billy Joel. And uh, Billy, of course, spent a lot of time in the Hamptons, as does my next two guests, one of them known for... New York, being a star on the Real Housewives of New York. And the other, of course, is uh, real estate. You know, call my friend Corey Zalnick, a real estate mogul. I know you know Corey. He's made a lot of money. I'm not sure you're a real estate mogul. Maybe you are. But uh, certainly a real estate. Yeah, mogul. Go with that. Suzanne Miller. So we got Miller and Zarin. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good morning. Good and to the see Miller you both. And the Miller Report. Yes. And the Miller Report. On WABC. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> yeah, well, can you, well, when does that podcast actually come out? It comes out every Wednesday, and we film on Thursdays or Fridays. Okay, i got an interesting question for you. Sure. So uh, I've done uh, one major, major, I have to make it about me, don't get mad, uh, one major uh, cable TV uh, mobster hit show. It's doing great. Uh, number two behind Yellowstone on Amazon Prime right now. It's called Gravesend. I've got a nice role. What's it called? It's called Gravesend. I need a new show. Yeah, it's Grey a great Zen. show. You you nine episodes, it's great. Oh, my God. But my Amazing. first movie ever is coming out, and it's also a true story about a bar in Brooklyn many years ago called the Gemini Lounge. I remember the Gemini Lounge. You remember they that place in, in Brooklyn? Yeah. It was in Brooklyn, Canarsie. And oh, it was at the Mayo family, the Gambinos, had the bar downstairs, and on the second floor upstairs, they chopped up the dead bodies. Long oh. story short, oh. <laughs> movie's going to be in theaters all over America next Friday, and it's got a great cast, besides me, Lucy Hale, Emile Hirsch, Danny A., but here's the problem. We can't promote it. 
because That's right. we're, on, we're on strike. That's exactly right. right. That's so right. I got my movie coming out in 10 days. And you know why they're striking? For the most part, besides money and streaming and benefits, AI. That's right. And I heard your promo with a guy from Cushman. Yep. And you talked about AI in your industry, real estate, whether or not it benefits or hurts. What was the answer? The answer is it'll give people more jobs, I think, because, it, you know, all things like that cause, you know, have jobs. But I do think in the long run, a lot of people will be laid off. You do? I do. I think it's going to people be replaced because, like, I had an agent who I asked to take a listing and she didn't speak much English. She was from China. She, I was blown away how good she was. Then I said, can you edit it? And she couldn't. <laughs> and I realized when I went on AI, that's exactly what she did. Oh, my God. Yes. That's scary, right? I know. I so, know. I mean, in, in the actor's world, you could be... Jazz Palmentary, you can be Tom Cruise, and they can just do your voice, and boom, you're out of a job. And there'll be fraud, because I could look at Sid right now, or Jill, and I could get a robot that looks just like you after uh, uh, mimicking your voice, sure. and then I'll call for money. And you no. won't know if it's your child calling, uh, and this is well, this is very scary uh, shit. Yeah. You can't, you're going to get no robot that looks like me or sounds like me, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so you live in the Crazy. city still. No. What do you so you actually moved out of New York? I moved out of New York. I live in Florida as my main residence. I have a place in the Hamptons and I stay with my friend Julia Hart on the west side. You know what's funny is I've seen you at the Boca Resort, me and my wife. Yes. So I know you're a, but I thought for some reason you went back and forth. So you live in Florida. Well, well I do go back and forth because okay. I work. So okay. I, I so I'm always here, you know, in and out, but I really want to be in Florida all the time. But how I don't blame you. How long <laughs> did you live in New York City? Oh wow. Thirty years. Okay, so when you come back years? when you come back now. Forty years. For example, Jill, and you see two hundred people. And this pertains to you, Suzanne. And you see 200 people sleeping on the streets of New York, okay, at the Roosevelt Hotel. That could be right outside your apartment. A, you got to live there. B, you got to rent somebody a place there. That kills both of you. It makes me very sad. Sad, right? It makes me sad for them. That's what it makes. I know how everyone's about the money. And the, the first reaction when you said, how do you feel? I feel sad. I feel, feel bad sad. for them. Yeah. They've been on a pretty rough road. Nobody leaves their home and their friends and their family, unless things are so bad. And these people have been through everything to get. And, and listen, I, I, I don't want to, it's not the politics of it. The reality is they're here. How yeah. they got here, should they have gotten here, should they, I'm not even getting there. Right. They're here, they're people, they have children, and they're living on a street in the richest country, in the richest city. And they're not a lot of work. Richest city in the world. That's well, the issue. And that's well, the hold other on, issue. Hold on. Well, we're no longer the richest city in the world because of issues like that. And okay, it is about, right. and I, and I'm and not, it is about it, politics. It's about Democrats. Don't you get mad at me, Zarin. I'm not mad. Okay. I'm, I'm not mad. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not, with listen, you, I'm Sid. I'm not diehard. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not either. Actually, I'm a, very, I'm a pro-choice. But um, That's what I am. I'm, a, I'm a pro-choice Republican, That's too. what I am, pro-choice And I'm right. a pro-choice uh, Republican and gun control. But we're not invited to the party. Yeah. The party yeah. doesn't want me. But we can forget politics. I'm just saying when I see... Mothers and children sleeping on the street. Oh, it's sad. I agree. It's yeah. sad. Yeah. And there's got to be a way to do something for them. You're right. They shouldn't be coming in, and we don't want any more. But they are here. So either yeah. send them back right. or take care of them. What you can't leave them the, on the street. What if I sent them to your house in Boca? I lived in Boca for 16 years. I didn't see that type of stuff. Well, all you're, you guys are traitors because you all leave and go to Florida. Nobody votes, and everybody complains. Only right. 23% of people voted, and you all complain, and you leave. You're right. So this but is I, the issue. But I came back. Unlike Jill, I did come back. Okay. So. But on a serious note, and I don't blame Jill, not for one second. On a serious note, how much more difficult does it make your job? Well, the young people want to be here. So the people that have, been, have earned a million dollars or more have all left. They're all in Florida or in Texas. They don't want to pay taxes. Let's talk about it. It's mostly money. Follow the money. 
They don't want to be here, not crime and money. So that's why they are, they left. Well, I had a young lady in here about an hour ago. Her name was Jacqueline Toberoff, uh, Jill and Suzanne. Oh, I was listening. Oh, she was great. Super Mom's like, and she lives in Tribeca. That is a very, very good area to rent and to buy. I was just, I just spent the last four months in Battery Park and she said, it's hard to live there right now. I mean, are you seeing this or are some of these folks exaggerating? She said it's hard to live there. Why? I was crime? just there and I didn't see anything. No. Oh, you didn't see any crime, homeless, migrants, I all kinds. I didn't see any of that, but I didn't I, live then, there. So they explain why the restaurants have never been busier. You can't get into a Broadway show. Everything. It's, it's, the issue is people are here, but not high-income earners. Right. So the people that are here, the young people all want to be here. They want to be in bars. They want to be near their friends. So this... 250,000 young people that came here. But oh, yeah, 500 my people. daughter's looking for an apartment. I mean, can't to get, get a two-bedroom is like 8000 a can't month. Get, oh, I know. But 500,000 people making a million dollars or more left. So who's going to pay the freight? Me. I actually lived in an apartment on 103rd in West End, and I spent about $9,000 a month before COVID. I argued with the people. I got it down to 7500 by the time COVID was over, but then I left. You know, it took them one day. One day to rent that apartment. Yeah. And, and the they bill- charged uh, a lot more than $75. Yeah, and, and back up. Right. That's right, Jill. And we just took over Coney Island. We're working as consultants for uh, Red Apple. I and that's that. on fire. That's on fire. I got to tell you that you want to live on the ocean. That's the place to be. Yeah. I, I, if I was young, I literally would want to pioneer that area because there's a brand new building, oceanfront, yeah. has all the amenities. You never have to leave it's gorgeous. it. Gorgeous. And, and you just take a subway or drive out. And it's a fraction of the price of New York City. Uh, I would do it. Yeah. Yeah, two, ocean two, views. We, we've yeah. rented 20 apartments this week. It's I called the ocean. ocean Drive is the name of the building. Yeah. There's two of them right now. And yeah. there may be three more somewhere down the road. We'll see. So you spend your weekends, though, here in New York in the Hamptons. Yes, in and, the summer. The summer. Right. And it seems to me like the Hamptons is doing great, right? I mean, there's, there's well, not a, no. You know, the real estate this year, a lot of people went to Europe. Really? I mean, I'm going to Europe for two weeks at the end of August. A lot of people um, tried to rent their houses and they couldn't because there just weren't enough, you know, takers. I think the pandemic was this, you know, over. People wanted big houses. They thought they were going to be there. Who knew how long? And now you've got these white elephant houses out there, you know. And everybody, the young people, all want to travel and downsize. So I don't know. I think there's going to be a glut of these big houses at some point. What do you My think? opinion, in the five million to seven million. What do you think? think? So what's happening in the Hamptons is the, it's like New York office market, flight to quality. Good, really nice. So everybody, the, the rich are really rich. Yes. So if you're and on that's the ocean, problem. so if you're on the ocean, right. like you know, Joe Farrell rented his house for I can't say on the air, but sick money, gorgeous on the ocean. So if you're going to have a beautiful home on the ocean, you're renting it. Things that are just average, or you know, I would say you know, five to ten yeah, million are sitting, and I think there will be a correction. What that's is the borough right now that is the hottest rent sales? For apartments, is it Brooklyn? Is it New York City? What's the hottest borough right now? Brooklyn. 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 Oh, you're talking about Dumbo down by that area? Dumbo, downtown Brooklyn. And really, I mean, I'm not just saying this because I just took over, but Coney Island is on fire. It is. It's on fire. We rented well, 20 apartments. It's on the ocean. It's, we, it's on the, the ocean. ocean. But I will say this. Because it is Coney Island, let's not kid ourselves. Well, it's not a great area yet. And I love it there. My I friends like own to pioneer. I'm a pioneer. I would move there. Me pioneer. too. My father grew up there. But because it's not a great area yet. You could have a brand new, beautiful building on the water and get away with relatively inexpensive prices. And it's brand self, new. It's self-contained. Right. And where are you going to have floor-to-ceiling windows facing the ocean? It's gorgeous. For, for $3,000 with three months free. We get, we're going to get rid of all the concessions because we're renting them too fast. I still have uh, the keys for 22A in my bag right now. <laughs> I never left. John's in the bar, the apartment, <laughs> and I never left. I, lo- I love those two buildings. They're gorgeous. So you um, you had a big party this weekend in the Hamptons. I did a fundraiser for my you know late husband, Bobby Zarin, in honor of him for cancer research. He's Thank gone. You. How long has Bobby gone now? 
Would you believe it's five years? Yes, because I saw you in a restaurant. You know who I was, dating back like, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, and you were with him. And I go, oh, look at it. That's Bobby and Jill Zarin. It's nice that you do that. You had a big crowd on Saturday, big crowd? I'd say about 500 people. Wow. And what did you do? You played pickleball? You drank? Well, you you know, funny you should mention pickleball. Yes, we did play pickleball because we had the pickleball chick there. Um, I played a little bit with her because we sell pickleball rackets, and they're unbelievably fun. They don't have to be black and ugly. They can be fun. We have the Hamptons, Miami Beach, uh, Beverly Hills, all these really fun ones. So you can go to JillAndAllie.com if you want to see. Well, who's Allie? Who's Allie? My daughter is Allie. Oh, your daughter. she's a good player. She's good. Not as good as you. You know, we're tennis players. Yeah. So if you're a tennis player, you're kind of naturally good at racket sports. Right, right, exactly right. I mean, I, I play a lot of tennis. You just got to keep your eye on the ball. And right. make, it takes a minute to adjust because a racket's much further than a pickleball pad. Yeah. So, you know, you miss a lot of balls you in the beginning. You should do like a, like a housewife tournament. Like uh, New York know. plays New Jersey or New I York know. plays. I, I mean, some that. of these girls. I know. They're not athletic. You're not going to get Teresa or Dolores, for example, to go out there and play. Oh, no, no. Teresa sport. would do it. You think Teresa would do Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Well, there you go. You and Bethany should <laughs> play, because uh, you're friends now, should play like Teresa and uh, Margaret. How about that? <laughs> I, I don't it. know if Margaret would want to jump in on that, but um, actually, Margaret was at my event this weekend. Oh, she was? Yes, promoting her new soiree. So uh, so that's allowed. I always thought this was kind of like a taboo almost, incest, when the what? New York girls hang out with the New Jersey girls. No, the and I had girls. Cynthia Bailey from Atlanta, Atlanta was there, and I had Leanne Lachlan from uh, Dallas yes. was there. Yes. Who else was there? Luann. Luann came, my sister wife. The Countess. New York, the Countess. Yes. yes. And she doesn't go to a lot of stuff, but she always shows up I like her. We actually have a Teddy Mellencamp coming up here right after you guys. Oh, that's amazing. Show. Oh, yeah, that's Beverly great. Hills, of course. And uh, so, But you don't do any other uh, rentals or buys outside of New York, right? You just do New York. Just do New York. Right. If you had the, the opportunity to do another place right now, where would it be? Miami, Beverly Hills, where would you go? St. Petersburg. Petersburg. Yeah, St. Petersburg. You know why she said that? She's so smart. Because you're there? No, because oh. John Katsimatidis has the nicest building in the world right there. Uh, follow the money. <laughs> follow the money. <laughs> It is very a, smart. It is the tallest, most beautiful gorgeous. new building in Florida on the West Coast yep. by Tampa and Clearwater. Yep. It is a gorgeous building. I've been to St. Peter's because my friend was there, and the former governor of Florida was married to my girlfriend. And Charlie Crist? Yeah, was married to my friend Carol. No kidding. Yeah. He's and they gay lived- now, I think, right? He goes back and forth. <laughs> Kind of I never with... asked, <laughs> and I've never been involved, uh, so I'm yeah. not going to comment on that. But they lived in St. Petersburg, so I was there. They got married at the that famous hotel there, and yes, it's beautiful. Yes, yes. It's really paradise well, there. Do you live in Boca? Yeah. Oh, I, you do? I live in a country club. Okay. I lived in uh, Yamato 441 Saturnia, right across the street from the elementary I'm school. I'm down the block, Yamato and Jog. Oh, you're, you're right down the block. I'm right so down the block. So you're kind of on like that Boca Del Rey border type of thing. Little, you're close. You, close, right. close. So you're big in Atlantic Avenue Saturday nights? Yeah, if I leave the bed. She yeah. doesn't go out. I don't she, go she, out. She doesn't go out? She's self-contained. I work so much but that when I'm home, out, I want to sleep. You, you, Miller, you're always out. I see you on the town She's the out all the time. I'm out yeah. all the time. I've, I've got a lot of energy. You do. I don't She's sleep much. She's much more than me. Yeah, and you're working all the time. You're doing a great job with real estate. Yeah, well, what the is time. the message right now for folks listening who want to buy? Look, interest rates are brutal. I don't want to hear it. They are brutal. That's why inflation's coming down because they're strangling you with the interest rates. That's not right. a good economy. That's a bad economy. So for folks who want to buy that are worried about those rates, what should they do? So it's funny. I'm going on Fox right after this, and we're talking about this. And you could write on your calendar that I'm right 
because next year at this time, I'm predicting that sales are going to be robust and rentals are becoming shorter. Is that right? I, that's, what, that's my prediction, and I'm going to stick by it. All right. Because who wants to keep paying these rents? Nobody. So we just need a little stabilization, and people are going to start entering the market. But I, see, I feel it already. But, I feel it happening. But that's for rentals. Do you, are you, do you sell these apartments, of too? Of course. We okay. sell it. With, that's most of what we do. And what is the average apartment go for now in New York City? In New York City, it's $1.6 million that's is the average, the average price. That's and the what average do you price. Get? You get a one bedroom about eight hundred square feet. Jeez, that's disgusting. Wow, that I think disgusting. it's good. I think it'll come down. Yeah. I think you'll find uh, the price will start to but come it's not down. Just about that, it's the taxes, you know, it's like thirty thousand a year for taxes because yeah. they don't have any more abatements. Because one of our mayors, I'm not sure which one, took away the abatements. Right. So well, no abatement so and, and, and no 421A for affordable housing. The, yes, right. That hurts too. Yeah. For two million dollars at Woodfield, you know what you can get? <laughs> you got a really not nice house. Not as much as you used to after the pandemic. No, I got to tell you. No, there the was same. no inventory. I know, it went it's up not a lot. The same. So did you hold a big uh, event for Alzheimer's last week too? I did on Saturday night. We did. We raised seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot. And we had four hundred people come, and we had the president of the Alzheimer's Association talking about the new drugs. There's three new drugs, and we have hope. We need hope. There's like one out of three people, Sid. One out of, one out of three of us is going to get Alzheimer's. No, about I know. 65. It's terrible. Terrible. It's my, both my parents had it, so it's something I really, really believe in, and we need hope, and we have to have people. And so they have drugs now that they're showing. They have three drugs, but they're only, you know, place, you know they're just you know, placebos right now. Yeah. Where was this event at last Saturday? It was at Irwin Simon's house in, at the farm. It was beautiful. Nice. It was the Cafe Wah Band sang, uh, played from the village. A lot of disco. We all danced. It was oh, really cool. fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So 30 seconds to go. Yeah. We kind of joked around, you and I, Jill, about your relationship with uh, the girls on the show and um, and Bethany specifically. And you said, well, hold on a second. There was a time me and Bethany were very, very close. We're getting back to that. But the truth is, my best friend is Suzanne Miller. He's sitting right next to me. So how, how did that happen? How did you guys become such good friends? We met. 35 years ago, up in Hemlock Farms, we both had, my, her parents had a house there, my husband and my first husband, Stephen, and I had a house there, and she's, I don't remember how we met. She says we met in a restaurant. But our kids were both in high chairs crying, and my friend was like, you guys have to talk, because the two of us, we both talk fast. Yeah. And you remember the, the Seinfeld episode, Bizarro? There were two. <laughs> yeah. So my friend who was next to me said, this is like, you guys are like Bizarro. You talk fast, your kids are crying in a high chair. It's like, I feel like, who are you really? And that was it. That was and before that was you were it. famous. That was it. And, and that was, that oh, stuff. my God, yeah. yeah. Were, those are your best friends, the ones before. Oh, 100%. And the ones after. And the, the ones, ones after. Because right. I've had some befores and afters. Thank God I'm good now, but I've had befores and afters. All right, well, I'll see you. You with look the, good. Thank you. So do you. You look great. I'll yeah, see I, you at oh, or, or New York, or New York Prime or any one of those great restaurants. Yeah, well, why don't we go out? Where are you? Uh, we're west. West. Are well, you? I don't have a place there right now, okay. but we go down to visit quite often. So All right, good. we'll see you during the winter. Please uh, do. Or later this summer. And you will great once again for folks who want to catch a podcast. How do they do that? The Miller Report on WABC or Spotify, anywhere you want to download your podcast. Excellent so can job. I give a discount to your fans to go to to for jillandally.com? They can put yes. in Sid Sid twenty five and take twenty five percent off any of our candles, crystal manifestation candles and pickleball rackets. Jillandally.com. Jillandally.com, J I L L A N D A L L Y dot com, and they'll get twenty five percent off if they put in twenty five Sid. And now do they, are these rackets personalized? Can I get whatever I want on the racket? No, they, but they're 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 they're, they're amazing. They look cute. They're really cute. Okay. You got to see them, All and right. they're great value. All right, Jill and Alley twenty five. That's Jill Zarin. That's Suzanne Miller. Check her out, of course, on our terrific real estate podcast. We'll take a short break. Come back. Stick with the housewives. Teddy Mellencamp will join me coming up right after these words. That was great. That was. 
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, we got about six minutes with uh, Teddy Mellencamp, who happens to be one of my favorite housewives. Jill Zarin was just here. She was great. Former New York City housewife with uh, Suzanne Miller. But uh, Teddy was on the, uh, the Beverly Hills show. And uh, listen, I know a lot of these women, the New Jersey girls, I, I met them all, basically. New York girls. I haven't met a lot of the California girls. I never went to uh, BravoCon and all that stuff. But I actually miss Teddy on that show. She's a more grounded person. I know her father is famous. How do you not play John Mellencamp coming into Teddy? What's the matter with you, Justin? I was in the Be- Beverly Hills. Oh, song. my God. Anyway, here she is, former star of Beverly Hills Housewives and a lot going on with her own podcast these days, Teddy Mellencamp. Teddy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How's it going? It's uh, going very, very, very well. Let me just start by saying I do miss you on that show because these shows are, are filled with a bunch of ladies that are so into hair and and boobs and cars and houses. And for me, Teddy, maybe you like that in real life, I don't know. But for me, I got the feeling all you wanted to do was work out, have a nice life, and you weren't really into all that stuff, and I found you to be refreshing. That's my opinion. Well, thank you. I think, you know, definitely people are like, well, did you change when you were on the show? And I'm like, no, I just made more money sometimes, and then I would <laughs> do things that maybe I wouldn't have done prior. But I think the the best part about being on Beverly Hills was that I was able to share about going all in on my life and changing after, you know, having the kids and being held accountable to the lifestyle changes that I made after struggling with postpartum anxiety and depression and just being open and vulnerable how many people's lives were changed through that, through knowing they weren't alone was the best part for me. No, that's awesome. And also... Uh, from a career standpoint, that is great stuff, Teddy. But from a career standpoint, this was yours, The Real Housewives. I mean, I, I can't imagine how many years you walked around being John Mellencamp's daughter. John Mellencamp's daughter. That's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. He's a big star. I love his music. But at least this was yours. Is that fair to say? I, I would say that. I mean, I think that the beauty of, of my dad is he's always empowered us to we need to work hard if we want to accomplish our goals everybody was like oh i bet you have this big fat trust fund and blah 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 i'm like oh no we don't (laughs) (laughs) i was sent to los angeles when i decided i wanted to come out here at 17 he was like you can take your car and that's where we leave it good luck honey um so you know i think that that is i've always been taught that you have to work hard for anything that you want and it may have taken me a long time to get on the television show but I loved it, and uh, it helped my business grow. It helped my friendships, and now I have a top podcast with Tamara Judge from OC. So I'm like, you know what? Things are good. Yeah, I remember Tamara very well, her character. She was uh, – she's an OG. She's right up there with the all-time greats, whether it's Teresa in New Jersey or Bethany in New York. or She's one of those going back to the uh, the popular OC days. And you guys have that two T's in a pod podcast were you guys close uh, for many, many years, both living out there in California? What's your relationship like? Well, now we're close, but how it started was I had a contract already with iHeartRadio, and they were like, hey, would you start recapping the Real Housewives now that you're not on it anymore? And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> you know, I'm good. Yeah. And then they were like, no, come on, Teddy, please. You're so opinionated, and you see things from a lot of different sides, and you're an investigator by nature. Come on, let's do it. 
And I said, only if I can have a co-host and I can pick who the co-host is. And at this time, Tamara was still off Orange County. They hadn't hired her back yet. So I was like, we're both, we both sound, you know, slightly bitter. And so when you're bitter, you have even bigger opinions. Oh, and that's great. So, yeah. you know, we hit, yeah. the, we hit the ground running. And now, you know, we're number one in TV and film. We've had millions and millions of downloads. It's, it's wow. incredible. And we have so much fun together. Now, what do you do? I mean, because you're right. When you're bitter, when you're pissed off, it makes for much, much better radio. Trust me. I can tell you that about the public officials in the city. When I'm pissed, I do my best radio, Teddy. Uh, you guys just dish it out about other housewives and the shows or – do you go uh, after everything in society today? Uh, no, we we mainly talk Housewives, Housewives headlines or Bravo-type headlines. But, yeah. like, right now we're recapping Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Atlanta, um, Crappy Lake, and Real Housewives of Orange County. And we just we watch the shows. We give our hot takes. We have our opinions. We also have guests. I mean, we've had essentially almost every housewife on the show where we interview them and we ask them the tough questions. Like neither of us are afraid to, in lack of a better word, piss somebody off. So, you know, one of us will always come in a little hot and then the other one is a nice guy and we kind of go from there. I love that. And, and uh, how many times a week does this podcast air? What are the days? What's the best way to get it? Um, you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we're on iHeartRadio. We have three podcasts drop a week. And so we are constantly, we're constantly talking. We're sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. We also share a little bit about our lives. But please make sure to come on and give us your opinions as well because we love to answer any fan questions. You good with Lisa Vanderpump? Uh, I went out to her restaurant a couple of years ago on the way to Hawaii, and I did stop at Sir. And she was there, actually, with her husband. She was very, very nice. I really wanted to see Jax, but he wasn't there. But uh, but uh, she was very nice. <laughs> but uh, between you and I, it was a bit overpriced. It's in Beverly Hills. The food was just okay. But are you a big Lisa Vanderpump fan? I know you came on the show together years ago. Um, well, I would say that we have, um... Oh, right, you don't like her. No, that's, a, you, that's a good enough. You don't like her. Fine. Uh, let's get to... <laughs> so give me this one, Teddy. If you're not afraid, if you and Tamara, who's also... I know she's not afraid. If you're not afraid, give me the one lady who's the biggest douche in the whole franchise. Douche. I mean, I, I would say there's so many of us. I would say me and Tamara are, are popping the list of the biggest douches. Like, we are, I, sometimes we say things, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with us? And then I'll be like, oh, it's trending. We're on Twitter. We're getting hammered. Right. Um, I would say we're pretty douchey, but there's a lot of people coming in uh, third and fourth. Are you still working out all the time? Because I still love that, too. I'm a workout junkie myself. I know your husband, Edwin, he's also into it. you still working out all the time? working out all the time and um i'm back to riding horses again too with my daughter so we are awesome. we're in it we're in the thick of it four kids staying busy i have the podcast three times a week and all in by teddy i'm like it's all the thing awesome i know you're a big time of question you were a kid too so listen i'm a big fan of yours i think you're great i know the podcast is great i thought you're great on that show hopefully you get back to one of these shows if that's what you want to do hopefully you do it again either way teddy mellencamp thank you for stopping by today god bless thanks a lot Thank you. Take care. Teddy Mellencamp right there. That wraps up another Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Thank you, Justin Ellick. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Noam Layden. Back with a big Wednesday show coming up tomorrow. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace. Come on, baby, take a ride with me. I'm up from the down to Tennessee.